let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions, and we are back in the studio. Just, just you and me, mate. The studio, and yes, it's just Steve and myself. So apologies, we're not on the Mark Johnson show. We're not on the River and Brew show. We're not on the Nick from Beavertown show. It is just, and we're us. not in Manchester. Yeah, with with, with Marble, it's, it's we're just, here. It's just you and I. In Essex, feels like what? It's been it's like been an eight-week journey of uh, doing shows with other people. Yeah, which have been great fun. Absolutely, I've I, I, I loved doing that. And all all been, the conversations we've had have been brilliant. They've all been different as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, from from speaking to Jan and Joe in Marble, Nick at Beavertown, Mark coming to my place at work, and then meeting up River and Brews at Beer Merchants the other week. Been really good. Yeah, really good fun. But I am I am looking forward to um, to it just being me and you this yeah. evening, mate. Yeah, no, it should just, be good uh, fun. Just just chatting, and um, not just that, but we are mere days away from. A massive event, aren't well, we? Well, from the, when this show goes out, we'll be two and a bit days away from me getting married to Michelle. I know that's that's come around so quick, that so quickly. And um, can we just get Michelle in here? This was unscripted, and Michelle was not expecting this. I just um, was just saying that we're mere days away from probably the event of the year. Probably the event. Of the probably year. The, the sorry, the event of the the event of the year, which is which is your wedding. Invite rescinded. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I just wanted to take an opportunity. Uh, Michelle is actually here. Say hello, Michelle. Hello. <laughs> um, I just wanted to take an opportunity to say to the both of you, as as my good friends uh, uh, as well, that I hope you have a fantastic day on on, on Saturday, and, and I hope everything is just perfect for you. And I also want to extend that to our listeners as well, and encourage them to tweet the hell out of the pair of you uh, at the weekend. Oh, and, thanks, because I've got you, enough to do at the weekend, and, and wish you the very <laughs> best. So that's uh, obviously at njp007. And until probably about two o'clock on Saturday no, at Ginger not. Daniels 13. That's the one. Uh, that may change in time though. So, so make sure you give these guys um, your very best wishes. Oh, thank you. And yeah, in a further unscripted moment as well, I know you guys have, were very specific about gifts for your wedding, but I have got you a little something that I wanted to present to you kind of live on air because <gasps> what do you give to people that are getting married and into their beer? Okay. You well, this is, this is completely unscripted. Oh. I wasn't expecting this at all. Oh, the bag's been unzipped. <laughs> so it's, this is just a little something um, from me to you guys, and, and I hope you uh, enjoy it. Feel, feel free to open it now. I know it's a few days before. That's all right. Have a little look. What have we got, babe? <gasps> wow, look at that. So we have... Uh, a very limited edition run. Exceptionally limited edition, yeah. It's a <laughs> bottle 107 of 123. It's from Wanda Beyond Brewing. Iron Born Selected Bourbon Barrel Aged Imperial Stout. Uh, from December 2017, part one of the Poseidon series. 16%. 750 milliliters. We Thank you very much. Saturday. You can you can have that on Saturday. No, no I just I just wanted to give you something. It's not a bottle share on Saturday. I've no, told no. Tom that already. It's for you guys to enjoy when oh, whenever you want. Um, Thank you very much, Steve. So I I do just want to say though again on on air, massive thanks to Jan at Marble for for sorting those oh. those beers out me because the, there is a pair and I've got the other one because I, I couldn't bear to part with both of them. <laughs> I, I, I needed to keep to keep one of them. 
Um, but that, that one's the, the more limited edition of the two. There's less bottles of that one. So the question the is, one. if Jan could only get you one? She, well, <laughs> I, would have, I would have still given it to you. I, I, I very much would there have given it to you. There was a momentary pause there, there. There was a momentary pause. But no, no, thank you guys, very much. Guys, my heart. Oh, I hope so everything much. goes all right Saturday. Oh, uh, it's going to be a fantastic day and, and, and good luck for the future. Oh, thank, you. thank you. So now back to our normally scripted yes show, but anyway show, thank you again Steve you're, you're very welcome really very really touching I, I, I do hope you enjoy that wasn't expecting another bottle with wax seal on the top of one <laughs> to cut a finger off to get into and there's no way I could let the occasion passed without no, no. encouraging our listeners to, to, to get involved as well. Thank you very much. Uh, before we go any further, I'm going to open the first beer. Yes, let's let's get into these beers because we do have five beers to get through tonight. They are all big ABV beers as well. Um, and they are all from a listener as, yes. as, as well. Um, the first beer is one of these ones which has the proper open cap. Made, yep. Turns into space to be a, a vessel to drink out of. But it's a pig to pour out of. Yeah, I, I imagine that makes it quite. That's oh, gonna, can you smell that? I can from here. Yeah, that's got some nose on Ooh. it. So what? What? What are you uh, currently decanting Ooh. into glasses? And missing the glass because it's, of the can. It's not me. That's, uh, that's no, boring. it wasn't Steve. So this is the uh, Amundsen dessert in a can pecan and maple pie, which comes in at. Um, a very sound ten and a half percent. Okay, and this is uh, one of the lowest beers, ABV wise, that we're going to be drinking. Yeah, I think there's one beer which is as low. Yes, but my God, has it got some nose on it? You can literally, I mean, that's got to be like almost two foot away from me, and I can, I can smell it from here. Toffee. Yeah, just smells like almost old school toffee. As I say, they're from a listener, uh, Will Watkins, who is on Twitter at Dry Your Beers. Now, Will got in touch with us and said, "Oh, I'd like to send you, send you some beers, guys." Uh, this was at a time when we were getting a few requests to send us some homebrew, so yeah. I thought, "Brilliant, we're getting some more homebrew." Uh, and then these uh, five beers turned up uh, from Will uh, with a little note from him as well, which says, uh, "Basically, thanks again both for all your work and the hours of entertainment." I've sent you a nice collection of five low ABV beers, which it doesn't look like you've had before. Bottoms up, Will. P.S. Couldn't resist one Merc bomb. Which we haven't got currently, so there is a Merc bomb still to come. There, there is. Four. There is. So um, just want to say, really, well, thank you to Will for, for that. I mean, it's such a humbling gesture. Oh, definitely. And not only has he chosen four beers, which I don't think you and I would have gone for, as in hard to get hold of, um, but four beers he knows we haven't had. Yeah, absolutely. So he's been through our untapped yeah. as well to, to make sure that we've not had these. Which I'm massively impressed with. Um, but look, without further ado, let's um, let's drink some beer. Cheers. Cheers. God, I don't even need to put it to oh, the nose, do you? Word. I mean, the, it is overwhelmingly well, maple syrup, isn't it? The only thing I can think of now is I wish I had a lump of vanilla ice cream to put this with. Mm. Or to um, drizzle it over... Vanilla ice cream on a Belgian waffle. That that. What you need more sugar with this beer? <laughs> I don't more know. I've not drunk it yet. Um, it's actually a little bit bitter on the taste. Actually, there is a bit of a dark chocolate bitterness to it, despite that really sweet smell. There is. There's a lot of sweetness in there as well. Oh yeah. Though. Yeah. And that is that is thick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can see it on the glass. I mean, look yeah. at it. It's just hanging. Um, I've got to say, I'm getting hardly any pecan from, from that. It's it's overwhelmingly the sweetness from the maple. True, but I, I'm getting a bit of the. I'm still getting a bit of the pecan with the maple and the aroma oh, okay. as well. More so on the aroma. Yeah. So um, 
Cool. We thought we'd try something different for this show as well in terms of doing some actual research on the beers. I know, um, which is going to be and, odd. And breweries, I know. I mean, I, I did some research. I decided to have a look to see which beers I'd had from each brewery. Okay. Well. So, so, what, so what have you had from Amundsen? So I had the Lush Raspberry and Lime, which I had at the Victorian when they did their evil, filthy cake festival. Um, and I just went very, very fruity and very dry. Give it 3.75. Okay, well, you must so, have enjoyed it. I mean, yeah. that's, that's, a, that's a generous rating. And uh, I went, there was another beer I had the first time I went to Liverpool earlier this year called Run to the Pills, which naturally the only reason I had it was because it run to the hills. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, again, it was a nice Pills, maybe lacked a little bit of sharpness, but it, for me also lacked a bit of the breadiness, which is quite good. Um, get that 3.75. And lastly, I think we had this as a, as a bottle share beer, Zombie Juice. Don't know if you remember that one. We had in January. Mm, I, you weren't there actually. I wasn't there in January. January no. So uh, I, it was a New England pale ale. So okay. you're probably happy you missed that one. Yeah. So I did actually have a look, and I've come across them. I've never been blown away by them, but the beers I've had have been okay. But this one, I think, is ticking every box that it says it's going to tick. It certainly does what it says on the tin. That's 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 without a doubt. So what do we know about these guys? Okay, so they're from Oslo in Norway. They're, they're a microbrewery that started as a five hectolitre brew pub in 2011. Um, they moved to a 10 hectolitre system in 2013, and then further expansion in 2016 to 42 hectolitres. Uh, yeah, so that's quite some expansion that, that, that they've gone through. In quite in, a short space of time as yeah. well. Because uh, the Scandies aren't are quite limited sometimes in where they can sell, what they can do. Yes. I know it's different from country to country, but it's still quite hard for them, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Who else is from Norway? Oh, God, now you know, you put me on the spot. Because um, the other ones, like Mikella's not Norway, is it? No, that's Denmark. Right. I can't I can't think of none that leap to mind at, at the moment, but they, they certainly, from the point of view of, of this beer, they, they do a range of these desserts in a can, don't they? Um, so there's been a whole range of different flavours. different flavours. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I've had, I, I know I've had the uh, chocolate and marshmallow one before. I think that was at a bottle share. Actually, that was probably one that you missed. That must have been one I'm missing. Cause I've got otherwise, you would have you yeah. heard that checked in. Um, but in term, terms of the beer, um, there, there wasn't really a lot to find out about it. Other than it's a pecan and maple pie imperial milk stout. Well, even on tap, it doesn't say much about the beer. No, no. Which is quite unusual for a lot of these breweries these days. They actually put a little bit of blurb on yeah. it, don't they? Yeah, I, I mean, most of the information that I managed to get this evening for all of the beers and breweries has come from Untapped, actually. So it's got a worldwide score on, on Untapped of 4.09. Um, so up in the fours, which is kind of bucks the trend a little bit because over time most things generally tend to average out at about three and a half three point seven five on untapped i think i mean i would say that initially my initial feelings are it's worth a four if we're talking about untapped just because it does exactly what it says on yeah. the tin and do you know what it's lacking that you know that boozy burn mm-hmm. i'm not getting any of that so it's got the thickness it's got the viscosity it's got that chocolate it's got the maple but i'm not getting the burn yeah, which you might expect for this kind of dark beer at ten and a half percent. No, it's just um, it is just sliding down. Actually, it's velvety smooth, velvety yeah. smooth. That's that's a great starting point. It is actually. Um, so while we enjoy that, uh, we've not been doing beery adventures when we've we've had guests because 
we kind of felt it was a it was a little bit rude just talking about ourselves yeah. in front of what, other people. What have you done, Steve? Oh, yeah. what have you done, Martin? Yeah, oh, yeah. and guests. Um, oh, hello. <laughs> so we, we've, we've mentioned the odd thing, um, but we, we we knew this show was coming up, and we thought we'd we'd have a bit of a a bit of a summary wrap up of some of the the, the key yeah. things that we've done that, that that maybe we've not had chance to mention. Well, obviously, we covered Liverpool last time for the Stag weekend. Anyway. We did. So yes. we did that, and but that was quite good because Andrew had been there recently as well. Around about the same time mm-hmm. I'd gone the first time, so you know he is part part of the conversation as well. Um, the, the the thing that I only referenced last time was the um, Cave Direct 40th birthday. Oh yeah, yeah. So they held that at Beer Merchants um, over in Hackney, not too far from uh, Stratford. But the um, it was the trade session in the afternoon. So thank you very much to Cave Direct for extending the invitation to the Beer O'Clock Show, and um, Steve couldn't make it. So the creative director selflessly gave up his afternoon stepped at work in, yeah. and stepped into your shoes. What a trooper. And um, we had a really nice afternoon. That's when we saw Rich and the other guys from Two Brews and from the Vic as well. And um, I just want to reference a couple of beers that I tried. And weirdly, we'd uh, mentioned Oedipus Brewing, didn't we? Yes. On the yeah, news yeah. a few shows back about the, another, another brew that had been taken over. This one had been taken over by Heineken, wasn't it? And um, I said, I'd never tried their beers. I'd never even come across this brewery. And they were at Cave Direct, which is really weird. Yeah. And um, they had an IPA. It didn't say West Coast, East Coast, hybrid or anything. It just said IPA. So I dived in on that, a few beers in. It's called Gaia or Gaia. Bloody amazing. Really? Proper old school West Coast IPA, mm-hmm. if we want to give it a reference. Um, I give it four and a half out of five. Fruity, sweet, hoppy, bitter. It was just everything I used to, I, I still love about IPAs I used to have. Bloody fantastic. And that was really good. And then quickly moved to the left of where Gaia was. And uh, Alex from Lost and Grounded was there. Oh, great. And um, he had a sour beer available, as well as obviously having the Keller Pills as well. Um, the sour beer game was really really good they are so good at making these clean beers and basically making what it says it will do 6.2 percent it's almost like the perfect beer after having that really punchy west coast ipa it's called the age of the quick fix i'm assuming there's a bit of a play on words there for something or a bit of a maybe even a dig at someone um beautiful well balanced and it was really nice it was on the keg Mm -hmm. nicely chilled as well so it was sharp and fruity and, and really tasty so although we spent five hours at cave direct uh clayton and i decided we were going to pay a visit somewhere else as did a few of the others and uh we went around the corner to having hops it's not far is it it's literally no. five minute walk tops yeah tops five minute stroll after you spent the afternoon drinking beer probably um and i just dived in on one beer that i hadn't had for a little while uh the pudding ale chocolate stout i think towards the end of the day i'd had a few fruity sours few west coasts and a few uh like sort of belgian funky beers and two-thirds of the pudding ale chocolate stout was perfect we were sitting outside in the sunshine it was a little bit chilled so i ended up having freedom okay just three two-thirds one after the other banging tasting really good order written down here light chocolate notes balanced sweetness slightly dry finish brilliant it was really really Mm. good i was so impressed with it and again I love the vibe and the feel at Howling Hops. So I know you've got a few other choices around there. Howling Hops just feels like the most relaxed. 
It's still quite vibe. unique as well, isn't it, in terms of its setup being oh. straight from the tank. And it still looks beautiful. Yeah. Every time you go through those double doors, you see eight, nine, ten tanks. I think they're usually pouring from at least eight of them. It's like, it's a, it's a sight to behold. Mm. And it just feels really relaxed. Lovely, lovely feel about it. We did go to Mother Kelly's for one, but to be honest, walking through the Olympic Park from Howling Hops back to the uh, Mother Kelly's in Stratford in the village these days, with all the works going on, takes a good half hour. So we had one drink and then we were sort of done. Yeah. Went back to the station. Yeah. But probably good afternoon. Thanks again to Cave Direct. Tasted some brilliant beers. And that's just the highlights. Just um, going back to Howling Ops, have you seen today they've announced that they're changing their glassware from their, their little dimpled oh, two-third no. what are they doing? jugs to they're changing to the Craftmaster one two-third glasses. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm so they've, they've gone through a bit of a rebrand as well in, in terms of their logo and everything. And so they, they, they've said they feel time's right to bring their glassware a bit more up to date as well. Although the dimpled jugs didn't have their weren't branded were they mm. oh no actually no they were yeah, weren't they, they yeah. Were, yeah okay I mean, to me I, again a bit like the tank bar they were quite unique actually yeah it's a shame to see them go really I so. mean for the one third I'd actually keep the smaller yeah ones maybe for the two thirds you could differentiate but I'd keep I'd keep the one third one as yeah but I suppose if they've got the old old branding on and they're, they're, they're moving towards new branding then, then yeah you need to move the glasses on as yeah. well does that mean we can go down there and take all the glasses? Well, they must be looking to do something with them. In which case, we need to send Mark down there with that big coat. <laughs> yes, yeah, with his mate's big coat. <laughs> so, Steve, that was my main beery adventure of the last month or so. What was yours? Okay, um, not not really one main one. Uh, much like yourself, I, I, I mentioned something briefly on the last show, which was I went to um, the Vic Inn and started doing regular comedy nights. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and I managed to go down to, to one of them. It was on an evening where both Emma and I were child-free, uh, a rare occasion on a, on, on a midweek night. So we went down to, to that. And it's a great concept. Basically, you, uh, you pay what you think it's worth. So there's there's no entry fee. It's upstairs in the Vic. Um, it was good to see actually. Oh, so they, uh, sorry, they do it separately. Sorry to interrupt. So on a Sunday they had the music in there and they do that to the right hand side of the bar at the back. Yeah, no, this was this was upstairs. Oh, so it was completely yeah. separate. And it was it was full up there. There must have been twenty maybe 20 people up there 20 25 people which is it's quite a small room yeah it is a small so, room it and it was, it, was, well. it was very warm up there as well and obviously none of the windows could open and it was when it was warm a few weeks back but it was great we got five comedians um so we got kind of four in the first half that were clearly all new yeah and and were trying their material to to see what works and then we had a bit of a break and then there was like a headline act who had a good 20 30 minute slot um I, i'm shocking i really can't remember his name but he was really good he was he was really funny and then yeah you just pay what you think the evening was worth so on, on your way out you just put donations in in, in a glass do you think they're going to do it again so i i think it's going i think they're planning on doing it as a regular thing yeah so well it's about finding what you can do isn't it i mean this is a midweek evening when you might have a bit bit quiet in the pub yeah yeah. You need to find what you can do, what works. But I had some great beers while I was there <laughs> as well, obviously, which is what, what, what they're known for. So what, one of the ones that stood out was uh, Hickey the Rake from, from Wylam. I was going to say it's Wylam, isn't it? Yeah, which is uh, it's an English parallel. Um, I've, I've had it before and it was on cask as, as, as oh. well. So I've, I've had it before and I think I, I, think I previously rated it at 3 or 3.25, something like that. 
First one I had was absolutely stunning. I had three. First one I had was absolutely stunning and literally didn't stand my glass very long. And then literally progressively, as I had another one, it, it was going up by 2.25 on untapped every time I had it. I could have just stayed on that all night long, but there was a there was another one that I wanted to try from Dry and Bitter on their keg taps, which was um, just a straight up American parallel, fizzy, cold, bitter, exactly what you want it to be. So Especially if the room upstairs for the comedy was quite warm and you had three pints of cast, not a bad yeah. switch. Yeah, no. Well, actually, I had, the, I had them before it started and I might have took the third one up with me and, and then switched at Oh, so you time. had two pints as a warm-up? Yeah, yeah. Because you needed to warm-up. I, I had my own warm-up. You before. had a warm-up yes. before the yeah, comedians yeah. warmed up. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, so, yeah, great idea, great concept that the Vic are doing there. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, like I say, I'm pretty sure they've got some more lined up and I do hope it's something they continue because it was a good evening and it's always good to, um, to showcase local ta- talent as yeah, well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's worth doing. Yeah, uh, and then just the other the, the other things um, we've had a couple of bottle shares since, well, since we've been yeah. do, doing our little tour, and the the most recent one, um, which was last week, as we recalled this absolute standout beer of the evening for for me was from actually a homebrew from from one of the regulars to, yeah, to bottle share. Max bottle share um, from Max uh, who brews under the name He Brews. Um, and this was Top Rope Pile Driver, which was uh, an American Imperial Double Stout that he had aged on oak chips, oak chips bourbon yeah. soaked oak chips. Yeah. It was stunning. I know, I know Max listens to the show, so Max, hats off for that beer, mate. It was really, really, really good. And like I say, it was, for me, that was actually better than all of the commercial beers we had. Uh, at the last well, bottle show. there was definitely a few that you aren't, aren't your preferred style anyway. Yeah. Um, but no, Max is a good brewer anyway. Generally brings his own beers along. That is easy, one of the best he's done. Yes, and it's, absolutely. And that's against some very good ones he's done in the past. Yeah, he's, he's always consistent with his beers and, and he has done a single version of, of yeah. that beer called Pile Driver. Uh, there is a bit of a wrestling theme going on with some of his beer names and labels. That's probably why I knocked down a few points. <laughs> uh, but that that was incredible. Just, yeah. just really, really... No, it was really good. I mean, it's, it's great to see still bottle share going from strength to strength. I think we're on, what, 54 events now. We've, we've hit nearly 600 unique beers. Kind of, uh, a couple of months time, before four and a half years. Yeah, which is pretty damn good. Yeah. Bearing in mind that Clayton, the, the creative director, has been there for all of them. He's still attended every single one. Yeah. He is the ever present. What What are you thinking about the beer halfway through? It's It's okay. It is. It's the sweetness is getting a bit sticky now. I mean, it's. I wouldn't say it's warmed up because we we served it at room temperature. Yeah. I do wonder if we had served it cold, a little bit colder, whether it would have been easier, yeah. quicker. To, 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 to drink I mean I wouldn't want without going off on a tangent free 30 can between two and this particular beer is fine for me oh absolutely I don't I don't think I'd be able to finish a whole can of that no. on my own no that, this is enough we're only about halfway through our half share anyway it's it's thick it's just so thick it's it's not a beer that we're going to drink quickly no it's not normally a beer we'd start with but bearing in mind what's coming up <laughs> we, we thought it was the best best one to start best with best start in place while we finish this let's have a look at the news because we've we've got a few news items to, to get into and, and the first one and I'm quite proud of the heading that I've given this on, in, in the news 
this is what this this is a combined news item that I'm calling the beer hawk spreads its wings. Um, so in a in a 24 hour period last week, um, beer hawk uh, who are now owned by ABI or ZX Ventures. No, I was going to say through their ZX Venture yeah. arm, isn't it? Um, made two announcements in in terms of acquisitions. In well, it was, they made one announcement, and then the other announcement was made by... Yes, yes. So, um, everybody knows what we're talking about. So, the first one was there was an announcement about the um, now-defunct bottle shop business. Yep. Um, and Beerhawk uh, essentially taking that over as, as a going concern of sorts. And then um, the following day... We had the announcement from Beerbods that they were teaming up with Beer Hawkers yeah. as well, and that they had basically sold the entirety of, of Beerbods to, to Beer Hawk. As, and, as, as yeah, well. I mean, this, this was, I found the timing of Beerbods release quite odd compared to the release about the bottle shop as well. But yeah. Okay, well, I'm, I'm going to address that one straight okay. away. I am. Um, I spoke to to Matt Lane uh, at Beerbods today. Okay, cool. Um, Hello, Matt. Because he offered us uh, an opportunity to have a chat with him um, once the news had broke. Um, so I, I spoke to him today, and that was actually one of the questions I asked him. I was like, "Did you know when you had obviously planned to make your announcement and when you were going to make it? Um, did you know that Beerhawk were about to make the announcement on the Thursday?" And he said, I had absolutely no idea. And he said, yeah, their timing was pretty bad in, in terms of it being the, the, the day, the day bad, before. It's dreadful. Yeah. Dreadful timing. But from their point of view, I, I wouldn't have thought it happened by mistake. I still, yeah, maybe not. Maybe just they're expecting a bit of backlash. Let's have it all in one go in 24 yeah. hours. Yeah. But it was still odd from a, from a lot of perspectives. Yeah, but we'll we'll come back to the the, the beer bods di- discussion in in, in a yep. moment. Let's let, let's focus on um, the bottle shop one first of all. So the the, the story was uh, put out by Glyn Davis, uh, who's the editor of Beer Insider, and um, Glyn was quite open when the bottle shop business collapsed, and he was open again in this piece that he's personally lost money. Yeah, in, through uh, Bohem, isn't it? Yeah, and through crowdfunding yep. as, as as well. So you, you know that was that that was with full disclosure. Um, but when when Glyn broke it, he basically um, goes on to say that um, so Beerhawk taking it over uh, and they've essentially reinstated the bottle shop founder Andrew Morgan, who's now going to be the head of Beerhawk B two B. Uh, which I assume is business to business, yeah. Um, and suggests, and in in that one statement as well, Andrew Morgan also went on to basically point the finger at the rest of the industry, saying it was their fault that Bottle Shop failed, which seemed to be quite a way to come blazing out of the gates. Pretty disingenuous and, quite frankly, on dishonest as well. Yeah. I mean, sorry, it was. It's your own business. It's your fault. You can't go around blaming other people. And every word in that statement, and I'm not an investor, and I didn't have a particular love for Bottle Shop, I liked it, but I wasn't personally invested in it. They've got all that beer still there. Yeah. All that old, that stock just dying. The people aren't, well, 
might get their money back, but they're never going to get the full amount. And he just literally just blamed everyone. Yeah. About no contracts. Well, it's your business. If you want a contract, have the contract then. Then, then you should have put it in place, yeah. He, he did go on to say, yeah, particularly pointing the finger at Beavertown and McKellar, who removed their, that, that took their contracts away from Bottle Shop. Uh, and as you say, um, when it went out of business, uh, there's a load of breweries that have been left with unpaid bills and piles of kegs and bottles locked and legally inaccessible in a Canning Town warehouse. Yeah. Um, but these are beers that were sanctioned to be bought when they knew there were problems. Yeah. Knew there were problems. And they just carried on and brought them in anyway. I, I, I had a little bit of sympathy about Bottle Shop when they first went under because I thought they were quite trailblazing. Did the business model work? Probably not. But bollocks to that, that was shit. Yeah, I mean, he, he does seem to have little remorse. He's like, do you remember that bit? In, I never used to watch The Office much. But it's a bit where David Brent goes, everyone else has got been sacked or, and he goes, but on, on the upside, I've been promoted. That's fairly much what he's doing. Well, well yeah, because, he's, because he's, he's got a job again now. He's basically sticking he? up two fingers at both investors and the people he used yeah. to work with and for him. And he's just gone, yeah, but I'm okay. Yeah. Seriously, no interest in anything to do with that. So let's just have a look at what um, what ABI have actually got for their money. So no, no figures have actually been disclosed in terms of how much they've, they've paid um, for the business. Um, but they've got um, the warehouse and its cold chain platform that um, they say can now be implemented with proper funding from, from, from ABI. Uh, and a new 65,000 square foot warehouse is, is also being built as well. Uh, they're also in the process of looking at taking over the license for the bottle shop units in um, Druid Street, which is on the Bermondsey Beer Mile, yep. which, which I think is was, was the first thing that a lot of people pointed out was that ABI have now got a presence in, in the Bermondsey Beer Mile. One of the craft hotspots in, yeah. the, in the UK. So, so that, that broke... On that, that was Thursday, Thursday evening, Thursday afternoon, Thursday yeah, late, evening, wasn't late it? Thursday afternoon. Um, but that particular story doesn't end there because today there's been a follow-up piece by Matt Curtis uh, at Total Curtis, who has spoken to um, the managing director of Beerhawk um, to to clear up some of the confusion that that he feels there was surrounding some of these statements. Um, so Matt goes on to say uh, the bottle shop is still in administration and the appointed administrators are in the process of liquidating the company's assets. The responsibility for the management of any outstanding debts is with them. Beerhawk has acquired the lease of the Canningtown cold storage site which will become a cold chain distribution point for the London area. Part of that acquisition includes the stock that's still within that building. They have only just got access to that building, so are in the process of stock checking it this week. None of it has passed into the retail, into their retail or wholesale channels as yet. Crucial detail, Beerhawk has not acquired any of the bottle shop's debt in this transaction. As stated earlier in the thread, that responsibility lies with the administrators. Beerhawk will not acquire the bottle shop's Bermondsey site as negotiators are still, negotiations are still taking place between its landlord and its administrators. Um, Beerhawk B2B is simply an extension of Beerhawk Trade, something France hopes to grow more effectively with its new London distribution point. So it's it's interesting that there seems to be a different side to, to, to that story. And, and whereas one piece kind of focused on 
giving this Andrew Morgan a bit of a mouthpiece and, and a bit of an opportunity to sound off that the, the other piece has actually looked into what it actually means yeah I mean personally I wouldn't give him the time of day ever again so that's his probably last mention on this show um, I think Matt Curtis's thread was very good because um, it did clear up some of the confusion I still suspect one of the bottle shop retail sites is going to reopen though surely it's too good an opportunity not to well it would it would, and it would be the one um, it's going to be one of the it, yeah. miles where the, the, the most amount of people go absolutely so you know the, the local ones which I had down in Canterbury and was it Margate or was that neck of the woods where yeah, it wasn't yeah. there three in total I suspect it's going to be Druid Street but yeah I mean it's good to get the clarification I still think the first nothing wrong with the article but that's it wouldn't give, wouldn't give him the time of day again yeah well we'll put links in the show notes to, to, to both Glyn's article and, and, and to Matt's, Matt's thread. thread which which interestingly is the first time I've seen that kind of it's almost a, a new type of journalism in terms of releasing a story as a thread on, on Twitter rather than as every, everything I just read out there was, was, a, was, was from a series yeah. of tweets from I mean, Matt it could well be there's going to be um, uh, a longer longer read coming up anyway a bit more, bit more detail on it, but I, I, I appreciated Matt's clarification on those items. Yeah, anyway. yeah. So that was Thursday. That was Thursday. We thought that was it. That's yeah. the news sorted out. And then Friday morning, around about eleven o'clock, the, the the news dropped that beer bods had sold to, to to beer hawk as well, and Twitter had one of its moments where it went into a little bit of a meltdown. Yes, over over, over that one. Um, so headline um, stuff is that um, basically Beerbods want to do more. Um, it's become increasingly clear that for them to reach at their full potential, they needed to partner up with someone to take them to the next level. Um, they went on to say that they've known um, Matt and Chris from Beerhawk since 2012, um, and they felt as though they're the, the perfect fit for the business. So Matt's going to be staying around to head up uh, beer bods. Uh, essentially, beer bods will continue as beer bods. There'll be no branding change. There'll be no name change. It, it will still be beer bods. It's just funded by the yeah. different. I mean, it's probably just to clarify there. Beer Hall kind of became part of ABI via the Ventures in 2016, didn't it? Yes. So they'd obviously known the guys for a while before that particular yeah. takeover t- taking place as well. Um, you managed to speak to Matt. I did, yes. So we we had some questions yeah. for, for Matt because I think I made a comment um, pr- pretty much straight away. Uh, I think I retweeted the, um, the 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 news that that Beerbods had had released and said, "Oh, another one for us to discuss." Yeah. On on this week's show, and and, and Matt DM'd me straight away and was like, "I'm happy to have a conversation with you guys." So to be fair, he had a busy day on Friday. He did have a busy day on, on Friday. Yeah. So I, I spoke to Matt this this morning uh, and and asked him a, a number of questions, and um, Matt's given me full license to kind of repeat some of the things that he said in in that um, discussion as well. So first question I asked him was why? Um, what why 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 did you choose to sell? Why why now? Um, and he said basically you, you know and anybody that knows Matt knows that the beer board started as a passion project. So it wasn't his full time job when he when, when he started. Um, but he knew straight away that he was onto something and it grew quickly between twenty twelve and twenty fourteen. Um, However, they noticed that when they they got to last year, so when they got to 2018, 
the, the, the market started getting a little bit tougher in, in terms of um, the money that was coming in. Uh, and he put that down to competition, the economy, Brexit. You, you know, he said all these things have had an impact on the business and its ability to grow any further in its current yep. state. Um, so he felt as though they've taken it as, as, as far as they could um, and that now was the right time for them to seek out a partner. So the, the investment was um, essentially to, to help Beardboards grow and, and to take it to the next level. That's, that, that's what they wanted to do. He, he said he, he felt as though they've gone as far as they can go with it, but, but they want it to, to go further now. Did he feel that they need to carry on growing to stay relevant? I, I think so. You, you know, he did, he did mention there's a lot of competition now. You know, he said when they launched, they were the only beer subscription service, or one of very few. One of the very few, and, and a bit of a unique selling point as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in, in terms of choosing to go with Beerhawk and, and, and ZX Ventures, um, he said, obviously, there's been a lot of discussions that they've had. Um, and he said, you, you know, he said... I, I can't tell you all the details because a lot of it is wrapped up legally in the contract, which I'm not allowed to disclose, mm -hmm. which, which is fair enough. Um, but what he did say was that they understand the magic in the beer bods community. And, and essentially what they've effectively bought is the beer bods hashtag and the name and that Thursday night community because they could see the value in, in that. Um, and, and, and that's that, that's what he said you know he said as, as the community grows the business will get stronger so the more that community grows the, the stronger beer bods will continue to get and this will enable them to grow that community a little bit further and, and I suppose you know we've seen in the last few years they've the, the contents of the boxes have changed haven't they yeah, and, and, yeah and I mean they've, and they've changed a few of the ways they do yeah. it and they've got the box you can build up over a 30 day period as well, which yeah, you can do yeah. online, Beerboards Ones to Watch, Beerboards Plus. So yeah, yeah they, there's, they there's been, plenty of offering. I mean, when I joined in 2013, it was the one box, one beer every Thursday. That box lasted you three months, £36 a month, mm. there or thereabouts. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great value. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely great value. Um, obviously, he, you know, he did make a point of saying that one of the things... That, that does set beer bods apart is the Thursday night community that they've grown and that will absolutely continue. Um, there's, there's no plans for that to stop. That's what they're good at. That's where their engagement is. Um, and, and that will continue for the foreseeable future. Uh, they still have um, full control over picking the beers. Well, this was a few of the comments on Twitter, wasn't it? Yeah. So like all of these things, once the news came out, there was a lot of back and forth and we'll come to the investment bit in due course anyway. But one of the things which came out was, well, will you now start having to push ABI beers, ABI inspired beers, ABI connected beers, wasn't it? Yep. Um, but from what you're saying in your conversation with Matt and the stuff I'd read, basically he's still saying, going on the same thing, if it's good beer with a good story, it goes in the box. Is that fairly much what that, that's, his message was? That is absolutely it. it, it did. He did make a point of saying that they've never said they were anti-big beer. They've always said they're anti-bad beer. There's always been, you know, even in my in, when I was doing it, I think I did it for the best part of four years. Um, it's £36 a box. There would be a few in there which you would have thought, nah, it's probably less than three quid if I was really searching mm -hmm. it out. 
And then there'd be a few which thought, actually, I can't get hold of that. Or I even, I wouldn't think of getting hold of it. Yeah. So I can understand what he's saying, but I can also understand the questions from other people saying, is this just going to become an extension of the ABI world? Mm-hmm. So again, good to know. They're able to keep some control over it. And I suppose if they are buying the beer bods community, the hashtag beer bods, the Thursday nights, you could easily kill that quite quite quickly. Yeah. Couldn't you? Yeah, well, you just stop doing it, don't you? So then it just becomes a subscription service. Yeah. Just just another, well, just another subscription service. Um, so I did ask Matt if there was um, an option for him to have actually taken the money and walked away. Um, and again, he said that there were things there that he couldn't disclose. Um, but he was very clear in saying he wanted to stay and they wanted him to, to stay. They wanted him, wanted him to still head up beer bods and to still still run it as it is. Um, and again, he went on to say it's an opportunity to make it as good and as big as it can be. And, and you know, he didn't want to, basically, he didn't want to walk away from his baby and, and let somebody else grow it. Again, I can understand that as well, because I think that was um, a question I was interested in, because it could be quite easy to just go, right, okay, done my bit. Maybe I'll take a back seat for a while and maybe I'll start something again in another year, two years. We've seen that with breweries. Yeah. But with breweries moving on. Um, so I can understand him wanting to stay. Cause I think the whole team's staying, isn't it? Yes, all of them, yeah. And staying where they are. They're, they're based, is it Worcestershire? Mm-hmm. They're staying exactly where they are, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, and then the last last thing I asked him was about um, about Friday and, and essentially how was social media for you on Friday? Uh, and he said he was actually overwhelmed by the, um, the, the the positive and supportive comments that he got from both customers and investors. Um, he said, looking back on it, 95% of the comments were positive and, 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 and that was good for them. And as a result of them being quite open and honest about it, they've said they've had new breweries have already been in touch to say that they still want to work with them as, as well. So that growth that he talks about seems to already be happening as as a result of them saying look here's here's what's happening here's where we're going with the business i mean full disclosure i've met matt a couple of times i think he's a lovely bloke um but i do i do have a question did you touch upon the investment side because obviously investors invested x amount i think over two runs of crowdfunding yeah um and from what i heard the return is not quite as good as some other ABI-related buyouts. Yeah. Um, I'll be honest, he was a little bit cagey around what he was allowed to share and, and what he wasn't. So he wasn't wasn't trying to hide anything. Yeah. He was just saying, and, and he did say that some of the things that have been reported on Twitter are just factually incorrect. Um, he did say those that invested in 2017 will see a poor return from their investment because it was a late investment and it's not had the time to to grow um he did simply say unfortunately it's a harsh reality uh they had to make a decision um as to whether to sell or not and to get what they considered to be the best value for the business and for the investors and what they were offered was what they considered was the best offer that they were were, were being given okay so to me that indicates it wasn't just about wanting to grow the business, there was issues. Yeah, I, I, I think there was an underlying bit of that in terms of him saying, you know, that 
the, the, the market was getting yeah. tougher and um, you know it, it can't have helped them the availability of great beer in supermarkets oh god no these and days. I'm not saying when people invest everyone's quite clear your money can go up money can go down but I think some people are probably surprised at what they they lost and again on top of the other recent crowdfunding yeah uh, issues that have been you know read out you know we've just mentioned bottle shop for example so people have lost money in these things and I, I, I perhaps fear for the future of crowdfunding in the drinks industry, particularly the beer industry, going forward that if we carry on having this sort of negative noise about it, negative news, that people are going to be a lot more wary and it's going to make some of those businesses which could be tipped top and could be sustainable might not be able to do it any, any, any more in that kind of sense. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I know Matt, I've met Matt, I used to be a beer bod subscriber. Was never an investor. Haven't invested in that many things, to be honest, beer wise. Um, I hope for him and his team it works, and I hope they do keep the creative control. And I do hope the beer bods community on a Thursday survives as well. I mean, the only thing is, time will tell, I suppose. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we have spoken to some of our listeners yep. as, as well who are subscribers. To, 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 to be a bod so uh, and the, certainly the two that I spoke to were quite happy for us to um, mention them by name Michael McGrorty I'm really not sure at the moment I've never really had a problem with brewery ownership and I do actually drink ABI beer semi-regularly but this feels different somehow maybe because we have so much more of a personal connection with beer bods as we interact directly with them on a weekly basis I'll mull it over for a while, I think. Probably stick with it for a time being while I gather my thoughts. Uh, and then the other one is Justin Mason, um, who's you know regular contributor to the show. And I think Justin's been in since the beginning. Uh, yeah, and I've got uh, feedback from uh, yeah. someone who's been in since the start as well. So, so Justin said, it's interesting that the announcement email sent to subscribers just mentions acquisition by Beerhawk, with only the link to read the announcement in full mentioning that Beerhawk were acquired by ZX Ventures, the innovation arm of AB InBev in 2016. That could easily have been in the original email sent rather than in the link, which doesn't really go into much more detail. When things are hidden, even inadvertently, I'm immediately suspicious. We'll see, I guess. But neither of them talking about cancelling subscription or anything anytime soon. No, it feels like uh, we'll watch this space and see what yeah. happens. Yeah. Um, however... Good friend of the show, already referenced uh, Clayton, who I work with, uh, creative director. Um, he was the one who introduced me uh, to beer boards. Effectively, he has cancelled. Okay. He cancelled his on Friday lunchtime, his box straight away as a subscriber. Credit where credit's due to beer boards, it is actually incredibly easy to cancel. There are some okay. subscribers yeah. out there who make it incredibly difficult to cancel your subscription. Beer boards continue to lead the way with that kind of thing by making it actually quite easy to just stop your box. So if you've already got it, you've already ordered it, that's coming through, but you can stop the subscription to the next one. So applaud uh, it's there from my point of view. So he has cancelled it. He'd been fairly much in since the start. So he's a six year plus uh, investor slash subscriber. Um, so his main thoughts were... Um, he doesn't think that an ABI-owned venture can build or continue to build a sort of community that Beerbods did as an independent startup. That was a big part of the first years of, my, of his subscription. The beer club will continue and probably grow, though perhaps missing a little piece of its soul, question mark. I do buy beer from ABI, said Clayton, and other multinational companies, 
but I'll pick and choose how and when. Um, there hasn't been as much communication to investors about what's gone wrong. It necessitated a buyout, assuming mounting debt and falling or flat revenue. Clayton feels it would have been nice to have a bit of a, a more in-depth explanation okay. of that as an investor. So as a subscriber on one level, as an investor on another level. And to be, to be fair, I probably would have echoed his thoughts about the subscriber. Um, and if I had been an investor, I probably would have appreciated a bit of a heads up on it as well. I think the email to investors came through shortly before the announcement at 11 o'clock publicly. So it would have been easy as an investor to have missed that for a bit. Yeah. Well, I also acknowledge you don't want then investors splashing it all over social media as well. Mm -hmm. So I suppose the timeline has to be quite fine. Any thoughts? I mean, you've never been a Beerbod subscriber per se, have you? I, I haven't. Um, I did buy one of their Beerbods Plus boxes once and tried to get involved in that, but I found that that community wasn't as strong as the normal Thursday yeah. night community. So that was at 10 o'clock on a Thursday, wasn't yeah. it, rather than 9 o'clock? The, um, the, the the normal Beerbod subscription has never really done it for me in, in terms of the beers that, 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 that come through, and it, it wasn't something that I was ever really interested in doing. I, I think looking at the, at the two announcements... Firstly, I'm surprised that they came so quickly. Uh -huh. um, as I think, as I said earlier, Matt was very surprised that the announcement dropped the day before they were due to announce their news. Um, one feels like it's slightly more trying to influence the market than the other, which is very much the bottle shop route in terms of the the distribution network so that potentially opens up for them have potentially having a space on the Bermondsey beer mile um, that those are the sort of things that seem to be a, a little bit more clandestine oh but, definitely clandestine I, I think I, I think the the public happy face is the beer boards one yeah I'm I, I'm a massive fan of, of, of what Beerbods do, even though I've, I've never actually su subscribed. And we've done some work with them. Yeah. You know, full disclosure, we've, we've, we've had boxes from them in the past and we've done team-ups with, 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 with Beerbods and hopefully that will continue as, as, as well. Um, I think what they've built is a fantastic community and I think it's a very loyal community as well. What will be interesting to, to see will be kind of this next Thursday evening to see what the engagement is like and whether any of this forms any part of the discussion or whether the focus still remains on the beer. I'll be, sorry to interject, I'll be really surprised if someone doesn't try to jump, jump in with some comments. Oh, probably not a subscriber yeah. as, as well. Someone someone will try and use it as a platform. Oh, definitely. Because you, 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 you've got the hashtag, you've got the audience. Yeah. You can do it. I, I think I think for me, the, the underlying thing, particularly with beer boards, is if they've still got control over the boxes and they still get to pick and choose what goes in there, I, I, I think what this enables them is access to a much larger palette in terms of what beers they could potentially be choosing and getting to put in oh definitely you know, there's buying power there let's, yeah. let's be honest there is buying power and beer bods could quite easily go from strength to strength I would echo Clayton's sentiments um, and perhaps even Michael's to know a further degree is that because people have invested in the community the same reason I always felt that there was such a big fallout with Camden yeah people have invested in more than just the beer more than just a place, more than just a thing, it was something a bit more intangible, then maybe they may lose a few of those. But 
as a subscription service where if you are inclined to take those first steps into the social media world, then generally that beer bods hour is quite a friendly environment, to be honest. Yeah, and, I, and that's that's the thing that I hope continues. So do I. And I hope it continues to thrive Yes, as, as well. And I hope it continues to grow. And, and, and I will quite openly say, uh, good luck to Matt and the team. You, you know, I think it was a it was a brave decision to make. It, it clearly wasn't one that he he made lightly, um, and I do hope it sees beer bods go from strength to strength. Yeah, good luck, Matt. Um, but I don't envy your position right now. Oh no, absolutely not. So mm-hmm. we're going to have another beer. While we're having another beer, there is just one final comment that I want to say on the on, on the on the beer bods discussion, which was well, not on the beer bods discussion, but on those acquisitions discussion uh, and this was a, a couple of tweets that were made by Chris Hall at Chris Hall Beer um, uh, most of our listeners will know Chris yeah. as, 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 a, as, as a beer writer uh, I believe he also works for Howling Hops currently now. working at yeah. Howling Hops um, so he said putting all my emotions into a hermetically sealed container for a moment the recent activities of ABI ZX Ventures Beer Hawk have been surgical and frankly quite impressive They've now got one wholesale business with a cold store and a whole bunch of bunch of debt and old beer, but still two highly desirable on and off licensed retail space to add to their estate. Three well regarded direct delivery subscription model with incredible customer engagement. The UK craft beer sector is still the wild west, and ABI ZX Beer Hawk is ruthlessly exploiting this. We can no longer say that business, businesses are that big are slow in action it feels like they're running circles around craft where is the independent coordination organization or strategy which i i think was sort of nailed what had happened now that is happening and again i don't think we'll go into detail now but led on to a bit of a a side conversation about like ciba yes in this particular environment right now and i think they were getting quite engaged at times as well so that was quite interesting. Yeah. Although saying that, give, um, give Seba credit where it's due. We, we mentioned on the last show about their new chief executive. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot more of Seba in my timeline in the last couple of weeks since that fella's taken over. Well, what I've seen is him responding. Yes, he is very active. And Seba responding. Yeah. So I've seen a lot more. And also what I did see was a lot of clarification about some of the myths being some of the rules being debunked that perhaps were rules before but in the last couple of years motions have been passed so that was quite interesting maybe we'll come back to it in another show but yeah because probably haven't got time to do it justice tonight plus i think this is still running uh, yeah i, I think, think so because he's, he's only been in post a couple yeah, of weeks but, but you know maybe we'll get the chance to talk to him at some point but that'd be which great, I, yeah. i'd actually really like to do because yeah. he seems really engaged about the whole thing but like i said there are a few people started to talk about getting you know, see, getting more involved with Seba and then the whole conversation about, you know, can you affect change from the outside in or the inside out? What's the best way to do it? So I think this has got, this is perhaps maybe a bit of a kickstart to a few people about how they can actually start to band together and perhaps if they do want to form a united front, which let's face it probably doesn't exist at the moment. Um, you know, there was the Craft Beer Alliance, which lasted one night. Yeah. And that died pretty quickly. So perhaps this is the kick, kick up the arse, which maybe some breweries and outlets feel they need. Interesting you know. to see where this goes. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is a watching brief, this one. Yes, definitely. We've got a new beer in front of us. We have. Now, uh, Will promised 
slash threatened. Um, at least one Merc bomb. And we have, I believe, the Merc bomb in front of us. I think so. Yeah, so I mean, it looks like orange juice in a glass. I have poured us the other half, double dry hopped, triple India pale ale, which comes in at uh, another sessionable 10.5%, Steve. Marvellous. Um, I think he's chosen this for two reasons. One, murky and juicy, but also because the label is literally green <laughs> and just says all green everything. <laughs> so I reckon that inspired part of his quite, choice. Quite possibly, yeah. Um, it does look and smell like a murky juice bomb. There's only one way to find out, though. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, I mean, it's tropical on the nose. It's almost like a cooked smell to the tropical fruit as well. Yeah. Almost as if it'd been like, and I don't like it, pineapple on a pizza. It feels like it's got cooked fruit. Yeah. That is Ooh. thick as well, isn't it? That is thick. Now, again, I had a bit of a look, and I have had a beer from Other Half Brewing. I, I never have. This is this is, uh, this is is my first. And I think it's fair to say they're pretty much a sought-after brewery. People do talk about Other Half. Oh, uh, absolutely, yeah. Um, I was lucky enough to try one when I was in the States when I had my brief visit to New York when I was staying in Boston and tried the mm, Fruit Dream in brackets with cherry and vanilla. Um, about an hour before I had this beer, I'd had probably the sweetest, most cal- calorific milkshake in the world ever at a place called the Chocolate Factory in New York. And the Fruit Dream was a Berlin of ice. A little bit sour, fruity, chilled. It was like the perfect antidote at that point. It was lovely. This, however, does tick the box of not being in my preferred style. See, now that's interesting because it's not my preferred style. It, it, it certainly isn't, but I don't mind it. It's um, it has got a bit of a a sugary sweetness to it, and and there is a strange fruit juice like bitterness to to the end of it. It's not it's not the crisp cutting bitterness that I like. It's more of a sticky bitterness. Say fruit pithy sharpness. Yes, yeah. Which I usually only get from fruit which isn't quite ripe. Yeah. Um again I'm I'm glad we're sharing a can. I, I'm not sure I would be able to do yeah. more than so than, this than half of a can. Is a sixteen fluid ounces which I suppose is the four seventy three milliliters yeah. that the Americans have. Um so yeah, it's a good it's a good sharing size for this kind of beer. I would struggle with the whole can of it. But again, I've, I don't think I've had a New England style triple IPA. No, no, me either. So this, I haven't really, this, so this to be fair a, to it, I haven't got a benchmark either. This this is a first. But there is definitely a sharpness to it at the end. Yeah, well, what they've done with this one, because this is this is double dry, hopped, all green, everything. Now, now there is a standard all green everything as well. Um, going through other half's website, looking at their beer releases, there are pages and pages and pages and pages and pages of beer releases that, that you have to look through because they're they're one of these breweries that is kind of one and done. Oh, they're prolific. Yeah, sort sort of thing. So, but but this version uh, was brewed with Amarillo, Motueka, Citra, and Mosaic, and then it was double dry hopped with Citra and Mosaic lupulin powder, uh, and they changed the yeast strains in this one. Um, for a fruitier finish to it as as well. So from the the, the original one, they that they decided to go for a fruitier edge to to, to this one. Um, on Untapped, this one scores four point four five globally, which is 
I a very high score. I can understand why, though. Yeah. If, if this is a style you like, because we're, we're quite a big fan of the West Coast triple IPAs when, yeah. they, when they turn out right before they start maybe maturing towards that barley wine kind of state. So if the it's got all that fruit juice element on the nose. It's got the fruit juice to start off with. And it, t- it does tell you it's a big beer. Yeah, you take take all that juicy out of that. That'd be that'd be a perfect beer. I mean, that, it's 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 a it's a game of two halves almost. Yeah, absolutely. The first half is completely different to the finish. Yeah, I mean, I am actually drinking it quite quickly. You are drinking it quite quickly. It's, it's quite refreshing after that first. Well, one. Well, yeah, I mean, after that's, the first one, that, that, that's that, that's what it is. I think you should read some more news before you start. Well, well let me give more. you a little bit more about um, other half uh, before we go back to the news. So they're from Brooklyn, um, in in the states, uh, founded in 2014 by Sam Richardson, Matt Moynihan, and Andrew Berman, uh, and they had a simple mission to to create beers that they wanted to drink from a company that they wanted to be part of. Um, in 2014, um, there was a new legal act, uh, the Craft New York Act, which allowed breweries to sell cans and bottles of beer directly to customers for the first time um, from their breweries, uh, which meant they could now start promoting their beers via social media. And that's where we've seen kind of, they're one of the breweries where you get the classic pictures of queues yeah. uh, around the door. But they're now producing... Annually, annually, fourteen thousand barrels. Now that's U.S. barrels. So, so the guide that we've got on our show notes from Sean will be of no use. No, so I was just looking at that. Yeah. So, uh, Sean, we do need a new conversion (laughs) for for U.S. US barrels. But um, please, I mean, it's isn't that weird though? But it's it's the only it's the Craft New York Act. So presumably, every state passed because. I saw Tridium, and I know that um, other breweries have those big queues yeah. outside, so they're starting to sell direct. Isn't this the same conversation that they're still having in Ireland, but they can't do that? It is, yes. Yeah. So they can have their open days, but people can't just rock up and buy beer to take away. Yeah. Whereas, when I, was, when I was at Tridium, people were taking away slabs. It was like people were going to the supermarket and just taking slabs of beer, mm-hmm. but they were taking it direct from the people who'd made it from their cold store. And they were taking like 24, 48 cans of beer. Yeah. So it must make a hell of a difference to your direct income and also your in- direct engagement as well. Absolutely. So, when, you know, like you say, when you've got queues of people that uh, are queuing from hours before you open to get their allocation of beer. Yeah. And then you essentially sell out on a day. Yeah. And that all of them are posting on social media. Yeah. So it just grows. It's a bit like, maybe not so much now, but a couple of years ago with the Bourbon County Stout. Although you only you knew there was only like twenty bottles or something, there would be a queue of more than twenty people. So I think it's really good that you can actually sell direct to the public. And this is where America is one of those countries which is there's so many things to admire about America. And then you go, really? You only been able to start selling beer direct to customers five years ago? Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? It's is crazy. Like there's so many bits. So you know, I like I said I enjoyed very much enjoyed the first beer I had from them. This beer, I'm, I think, there's a little way to go for us anyway. Um, but still very thankful that Will chose this one, though. Let's finish the news, because there, there, there are a couple of other stories. So, um, Brewdog have broken into the world's 25 most valuable beer brands. Who judges this? Because I saw the headline, but I, didn't, I couldn't work out who judges the... Um, who's made this call, this judgment? Brand Finance. Okay. Uh, they are they're an operator of ninety one venues worldwide. 
No, that's Brewdog are the operator of 91. I was going to say, otherwise 91 venues is... No, yeah, Brand Finance, Brand Finance have produced the report. Okay. So don't, no, I don't know much about that. No, nor do I. So, I say. Okay, so, so it's independent of the beer world, sort of. Yeah, yeah. So um, Brewdog have gone into the top 25 list at number 19, sandwiched between uh, Carlsberg at number 20 and Chang at number 18. Um, also on the list at number 14, Estella Artois. Number 12, Asahi. Number 10, Guinness. And then the top three in reverse order. Number three, Heineken. Number two, Bud Light. And number one, Budweiser. I thought Bud Light used to be the number one US beer. Well, no, this is, this is Worlds. Oh, Worlds, of course, yeah. The, 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 the world. Um, this, say what you like about Brewdog. This is quite a big thing. I, I think. Oh, in, oh, it's not even I think. Be, it definitely is. I mean, if you're sandwiched in between, what do you say, Carlsberg and Chang? Yeah. I think Carlsberg we put put, put out to Brewdog just about them. But there isn't another that there isn't another craft beer label on on that list of twenty five. Well, let's move away from the craft beer label. Is there another UK label on there? Um, no, the, the the closest is Guinness. But that they're classed as Ireland, obviously. Yeah. Because uh, they are they are the only United Kingdom. Yeah, so I say forget about the other side of it. That's the only UK brand on there, and I can't imagine many other UK brands getting on there. No, but I think that's inc- I think that's, that's incredible that Brewdog have actually done that. I would still say credit where credit's due. There's plenty of things Brewdog get wrong, plenty of things Brewdog get right, and there's a bit in the middle which is sort of where I sit with them, like a few other companies. Um, I would say that's impressive. I would. In the 12 to 13 years something like that yeah to be like those are big macro brands on that list you haven't read out the whole list you just read out a few highlights yeah and Brewdog are only a few places behind Asahi and they're responsible for buying Fullers yeah and Brewdog as you said 91 outlets I know they're in more places than 91 outlets but they've, oh. they've done remarkably well you know where you won't be seeing their beer anymore in beer bods boxes <laughs> that's that's for sure uh, it'll be interesting to keep an eye on that though and see if next year they they, they move up in, in, in that list I think if they were there they're looking to at least stay in there but yeah I reckon they'll be trying to because there's, there's constant expansion in Brewdog isn't yes. there it's, that's, it's that's their model always. yeah, yeah. Uh, staying with Scotland for a second um They've uh, launched the Brewing Apprenticeship in Scotland. So a modern apprenticeship has been in Brewing has been launched in Scotland with backing from industry leaders and employers. Commissioned by Skills Development Scotland, the programme was developed by the National Skills Academy for Food and Drink with support from industry leadership body Scotland Food and Drink in companies such as Tenant Caledonian, Islay, oh, that's, this isn't an easy, easy one, Islay Owls, and Diageo uh, are involved. The apprenticeship will allow students to learn their trade while working for a company developed in consultation with the Scottish brewing industry. The programme will develop a pipeline of recruits into the workforce and provide training and development for those currently working in brewing. Oh, cool. I think that's great news, isn't it? Especially when we heard in recent news on the show that about Marsons are pulled out of the removing beer. cask lines. Um, it's great to hear that actually Scotland are investing in, in, in brewing. Yeah, but on a wider note, I think apprenticeships are so important. Oh, absolutely. Not everyone wants to do further education. No. You've you got a, a vocational outlet. You is, should have the option fantastic. of yeah. some sort of apprenticeship at 16 and 18. You shouldn't have to be forced down the further education route. And if that happens to be the same which you can get into and become a lifelong career out of it, all well and good. Totally agree. 
And then the last story, uh, and this is a great one to, to, to hear. So I'm this surprised is, about this one. Yeah, the, an unlikely partnership, yeah. maybe. So, um, Don Zoko, who are based up in Newcastle and are famed for their yeah. Northern Hells yeah. lager, um, are looking at how they can expand production of that. Um, so, after a, a year and a half of brewing it, uh, they, they've admitted they can't keep up with the demand for it. Um, it also means they haven't got capacity for doing seasonals, bringing on new customers, and cans of Hells has disappeared from, from, from all shelves. So they've, they've teamed up with Gypsy Hill Brewing in London, who are going to start brewing uh, the Hells for them. Uh, Gypsy Hills Brewery. Now, um, again, forgive me, I've forgotten the guy's name, but the guy that runs Donzoco is going to be going down to London to brew Hells. He's going to install his house acid culture. That's not a musical track or a rave. I was going to um, say, it's only gone back to the late 1980s, eh? Yeah, uh, and they're going to then get the, the, the processors dialed in as, and as close to the original recipe as, as they can. Uh, reason for choosing Gypsy Hill, um, he says they've got the best quality control that, that he's seen in any independent brewery, uh, and it now means that there'll be great, fresh northern hills available in both london and newcastle and they've worked with them before as well haven't they yeah they've done a they've done they've done a collab together yeah. before um i think that's really interesting um what well, a that they've decided because they're making so much hells they need to find a way of expanding without expanding their their, their home site yep but also to go and work with a brewery that is still growing themselves as well and i mean i've had some good really good gypsy hill beers recently and i'm quite surprised they 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 must be quite clever to better fit it all in. Yes, especially if they, especially if he's going to be bringing down his own yeast yeah. and, and, and culture, because that is going to not not infect, but it will have an impact on the tank that's being used to brew that well, bit. Well, that tanks off limits effectively. Yeah, at least for a while, because I know that you can obviously we know that a large percentage of brewing is cleaning, so there'll be rigorous cleaning, but you only need it once to be not quite right. Yep. And for some of those other Gypsy Hill beers to come out a little bit odd, and people would be on them straight away. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Because Gypsy Hill have built up a really good reputation. Yeah, and like you say, they're churning out new beers. And yeah, well, their, we, their, their beers are really good. They had a tap takeover when we were in Liverpool, didn't they? Dead craft. Yes, yeah. And we there were still two or three on when we were up there, and we, we tried them off with a Rixon. Yeah. Oh, well, it's an interesting development. I hope it works. So, so do I. And it'll be, you know, it's great to see two small independent businesses getting together. Yeah to essentially help each other out. Who says the North and South can't work together? Exactly. What are you thinking of the beer then? Are you, is, are you coming around to it or are Actually, you still you know struggling what? on this one? No, I am warming to it. Um, that real fruity, cloying bit at the start, then matched by a very sharp fruit finish, has mellowed a little bit as I've got used to it. Plus, for the last five minutes we've been talking about the news, I've just been sipping it about thinking about it, so I haven't overanalyzed it. Yeah. Yeah, and actually, it's now not starting to drink. It's ten and a half. It's it's slightly going the other way for me as as it's beginning to warm. You're enjoying I'm, it less. Yeah, I'm, I'm beginning to find it more cloying. Oh, and, okay, and, but that's, that's generally how we do go on these beers. Yeah. So I, I, I think for me, this style of beer needs to be drunk ice cold and quickly. Ice cold and quickly, whereas we've drunk it ice cold, but moderate pace. Yeah. Okay, well, we've still got a bit to go, so we'll see how that goes. Okay. 
Well then, that's all the news. That's all the adventures done. Uh, so it's time to, to get on to this week's question. Opinions, 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 opinions. So this was about um, prefers, preferred size of prepackaged beer. So um, we were basically put out three options, 330ml, 440ml or 500ml. Um, record number of votes for a Opinions poll, 1,305 um, votes, uh, with 44% of the people voting going for 440ml, 34% going for 330 and 22% going for 500 now, interestingly, this is the second time we, we, we've done this poll. Uh, it, we last did it back in July 2016, almost to the date where we're recording here. It was done on J- July the 24th. Very different sizes as well. And different sizes back then as well. So when we did it last time, and, and when we did it last time, it was all about bottles. Yes. So yeah, And you've been able to pick this up from the size choices. So what were the choices? 330ml, 500ml or 660ml. Which is bottles. That's yeah, bottles. That's 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 all that's all bottles. Fifty six percent of people back then went for three thirty mil. Only two hundred and eight people voted. It's quite an interesting comparison. Doing them three years apart in, in terms of a number of things. One in, in terms of when we did it the first time. Yeah. Um it was all bottles. Yeah. Um obviously now the sizes have changed as 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 well. And and also shows that in three years how much engagement has grown in the, the, the polls that we do on a Sunday evening. Oh, definitely. But I'd also say a full thing that although the first time we didn't, it wasn't specifically said bottles, this time it wasn't specifically said cans. Yeah. The question and the sizes lent themselves to the vessel. Absolutely, yeah. So 330, 500, 660 bottles, quite clearly. That's what we were talking about in 2016. This time we've gone for 330, 440, 500. Definitely cans. Absolutely. Without saying yeah. cans. Yeah. And thanks to um, Ian McGregor at Lateral Mac um, for just actually suggesting to us Let's do it uh, again. A, a while ago on Twitter that we should sh- should revisit it. So um, we thought tonight would be the perfect time to, to do that while we drank our way through... A variety of sizes, actually. Yeah. We've and gone from a 330 can to all right, a 473, but let's say a 440 for argument's yep. sake. So we've got varying sizes still to come along. We have, and we've got some American sizings here tonight as well, mm. which again are slight, slightly different. So let's get into some of these comments, kind of split these up into sections, really, uh, because as always, there's people coming out on either side. So, so first of all, we had those who are the fans of the 330 mil. Yes. Um, and I'm going to put my hand up straight away and put myself in this category as uh, as well. If I could have voted, this was where my vote would have would have gone. So Ian McGregor, who suggested the uh, that the poll, uh, said 330s all the way with a little cheers emoji. Uh, Granddad Greg at Greg1954. I, I'm getting old. 330 mil is easier for me. <laughs> um, some great reasons coming out yeah. for, for, for here. Uh, Catherine Wikes at Mrs. Kathy Babes. I'm usually a slow drinker, so a 330ml works best for me and easier on the waistline, to be honest. Owen Frankish at Evil Brainfish. I love that. <laughs> Evil Brainfish. 330ml, uh, as it gives me the maximum flexibility to drink the amount I want, particularly as I do enjoy the higher ABVs. Plus, it's easier to enjoy the whole thing at the right temperature. Which sort of comes back to what you Which were just saying we, about yeah. the other half as well. Yeah. 
Simon Clark at Simon Carbon. 330 is my preferred size because if it's a beer I want more of, I have the option to buy a second can. Also, 9% plus beers in 440 and 500 as normalised drinking this much at this strength. No one blinks an eye now, but 10 years ago, the only people regularly doing that would have been people with a problem. In inverted yeah. commas. Breweries need to take some more responsibility. And then the Owl Lady at the Owl Lady. Damn right things have changed, including my answer. With the increased variety of beers to try and the increased average ABV, I far prefer enjoying a few smaller ones and filling up on a hefty 440, 500. Hashtag bring back 330s. <laughs> bring back 330s. So you're definitely in the 330. I'm definitely in the 330 and I am going to rant at some point about this as Excellent. well. Excellent. Well, I'm going to drink a bit more before we do that. Um, so the 440 fans, as we're calling them, um, and we had a few similar comments. Uh, so James at Gammon Barron, Justin Mason, your boy Rob Edwards, Ian Hay and Anthony Smith, um, who's Anthony Smith's crypt- kryptonite underscore beer. <laughs> oh, I like yeah. that just because he's got the word kryptonite in there. Um, as I share most of my beers with my wife, it's got to be a 440. So indicating that the 440 is because they're, they're good sharing size. Yeah. Assuming it's just James that's sharing with his wife and not... All no, they're, the all, they're all sharing with James's <laughs> wife, apparently. James's wife is doing really well off the 440s. I, I'm going to jump in there, actually, because you do share the majority of your beers with Michelle, yes, don't you? I do. Um, so, assuming that you're very much leaning towards that, then in terms of 440 is a great size... 440 and above is a great size for sharing. I have a nuanced answer coming up. Oh, okay. But you just have to wait a little while. Okay. Um... Chose 440 is a happy medium. It entirely depends on the beer. But I would like to see more 500 milliliter for sessionable beers. Sometimes 440 or 330s isn't enough. And that's from John Moore at The Beer Idiot. Interesting question. I always feel short change with 330 milliliters from the fly at FPL underscore fly. That was it. Okay. <laughs> um, and then got to be 440. 330 is never enough unless it's an impy stout. You end up having two. 440 is perfect start, perfect size for most styles, and that's for, from Mr. Ian B at Mr. Underscore Ian Underscore B. Always find underscores hard to say. Yeah, it's really yeah. hard. Uh, and then we've got a whole load of people that sit in the in the depends camp as well. So we'll go through these, and then we'll have our views. Yes, yeah. I, I think before we do some of the other comments. Uh, first up, uh, Jan at Mrs. Beer Snob. Sorry, can't choose. Depends on the style of beer, and in this form, it's impossible to judge. Now, interestingly, it's the first time I've heard from one of the beer snobs in ages. That and when I went back and looked at the poll from three years ago, one of the first comments was from Wayne saying almost exactly the same thing. See, Mr. and Mrs. Irish Beer Snob are fully in tune. <laughs> Even three years apart yeah, on, on, on their comments. Uh, Martin Griffin at Martin the Monkey. Really depends on ABV. 440 mil for session beers and then 330 mil and perhaps even say smaller at 275 mil for the likes of Imperial Stout and Triple IPAs. J Dog at Jason Still Five. Now J Dog has sorted this for us. He's 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 got what it should be here. Yeah, he's got the list. Five hundred mil up to five point five percent. Four forty mil for five point five to seven, and three thirty mil for over seven percent. Can't and dry that, is no, it? No, but then we have our facts guy. Oh yeah, Sean O'Reilly and Ancrulia, uh, official number cruncher of the show. Depends on the beer, under 6%, 500 mil, over 6%, 330ml. Never 440 mil, as there isn't a glass to match it. And that sparked a little bit of a side conversation about the glassware, didn't it? It, it did. 
We'll come on to that after the next one because this is also about glassware. Hop forward at Hop Forward Beers. 440ml is a good size all round really. I don't mind 330ml, especially on stronger beers, but it'd be nice to have glassware for 330ml that are heavy and shaped like a pint glass, only two thirds the size. I have seen and there's something about a pint glass that just feels right. Now you replied to this one, I didn't did, you? I did, with a picture. You did, and you've just got the glass out to, to visually show our listeners what it yeah. looks like. So listeners, I'm pointing the glass at the microphone now. <laughs> um, so this is a glass I picked up when I was in Arizona in 2017, and it probably holds, judging by the time when I throw, put a 330 in here, it probably only holds about 400 millilitres. So the markings on it doesn't really tell you much at all. The marking was on it for a taster pour okay. at a beer festival, yeah. so that's all it was for. Um, and it, but it holds a 330 and looks good for a 330. You've got the head and a bit of room. So I would say it's probably a 12, American 12 ounce maybe. Yeah, it holds. probably. Yeah. Um, that does look good. I do see where that conversation was going, I have to yeah. admit. And, and as you say, it did, it did spark a whole side conversation about glassware. And I, and and I hadn't thought about the 440 poor not having a glass. Yeah. Yeah, I think somebody did say that actually the... Uh, the Spiegelau glass, the classic IPA glass with the kind of ribbed bottom. <laughs> you, were, you, were, you were trying to find a way of saying two words in a very polite way, weren't you? Oh, I, nothing else came apart from <laughs> the ribbed bottom. Everybody knows what I mean when I say the Spiegelau glass anyway. Apparently that's perfect for a 440ml count. Okay, okay, fair enough. Yeah. And I think the last comment from here off the back of this was uh, from Will Watkins, who, you know, is effectively sponsored tonight's show. <laughs> tonight's um, show, brought to you by Will Watkins. <laughs> so hard to give a universal answer, as it's completely dependent on ABV for me, and to a lesser extent price. Having more big beers in little sizes would mean I can try more without getting plastered or spending as much. Well, that's an interesting comment, considering what he sent us. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Because, yeah, you didn't consider any of that when you said us and our beers. Thank you very much again. Um, this is why I, I, I did vote on the 330. Because 330 is handy. 330 sits in the fridge door better than any other size. Um, 330s fit into cooler bags easier. There's lots of good things about 330s. I think they actually stack better in fridges, that kind of thing. Um, but when we went to Marble two months ago... Joe gave us the first beer when we got there was their trial number one session IPA under four percent, ice cold in a four hundred in a five hundred milliliter can. Yeah, because all their cans are five hundred mil, aren't they? We downed that. Nailed it because it was a hot it was, day. It was a hot day, yeah. Crisp, clean. Loved the five hundred milliliter, and I bought some five hundred milliliter cans, and I bought plenty of four forties. As sharers, I would probably go. It depends on the beer. There are some beers which. Me and Michelle share the fanzine beers from Brewdog. They're always 330s. I have now got into a habit. Was It, it was a hard habit to get into of sharing beers. Because now I never used to have to share beers. It was just me and Michael at home. So I'm now used to sharing the beers. So what we tend to do is for the 330 glass, the 330 beers we use smaller glasses. So it doesn't look like there's so much space. Yeah. And then the glassware will change depending on how big the beer is, as in size of the vessel. And then it always feels like you're still sharing the right sort of level versus the glass. Um, I'm definitely more nuanced. I quite happily have a 500, 4% sessional beer. The beers we like from Half Acre, what are they, 500s or 473s? I think they're the American 4 So the same as the half, yeah. other half. 
And let's face it, we haven't complained about the size of those. No, no, but no, that's that's a very good point, actually. So I would say 330 is my default, but I can see a place for the 440s and the 500s. But I did like the whole glass web bit. Yeah, that, that took it off into a, a completely different yeah. di- discussion. Now, before we go any further, uh, we have finished the Half Acre We have. Beer. Uh, final thoughts on that? I know what you're saying about it warming up. And I think if we'd been... Uh, if we'd had a can each, ice cold, we probably would have drunk it at the same place as we have sharing one. Absolutely. I, I think we would have enjoyed it maybe a bit more because it would have been ice cold, but... I've probably gone more towards the enjoying it than not enjoying it. Because I think you've gone the other way. The, the, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it at the start, but as it began to warm, it, it, it became uh, more of a challenge to drink. The one thing that I will say about it is that it didn't taste anywhere near 10.5%. No, it's a dangerous beer. It's very dangerous. You drink If, you, if we had had a can of that each, things would have been going downhill about now. Two beers in. Yeah. It was really good. What I would say is, it's, again, although it's not my preferred style, and although I started off a bit iffy on it, it felt like the beer was cooked. It looked yeah, felt like it was, it was, it was finished. finished. Yeah, absolutely. It wasn't like I was having to store it for a while for it to mature a little bit longer, and I could only have it when someone else said it was finished. It was ready to drink. Yeah. So, yeah. I, w- I would probably have it again. I wouldn't mind having it cold and draft, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, don't get me wrong. I can see, I can see from that, and I know we've been challenged time and time again by uh, Robert Hopzine to say, well, <laughs> you don't don't diss the murky beers until you've tried the likes of Half Acre and Treehouse and Trillium. I can see the point he's making in in terms of the the, the UK's replication of that maybe isn't quite there consistently it's not quite as good but I've now tried two out of three of them though so I've tried the trillium so, so you're going for the full set are yeah, you I'm waiting for Will to send us <laughs> all the way to try it at source yeah so so I can see that absolutely um, and yes I think if we had a, had a can each we probably would have nailed it um, yeah. very and very quickly although it's uh, you know summertime it hasn't necessarily been the best day but it's quite warm where we're recording so it has warmed yeah. up I think I've, I've opened beer number three, and it's... Um, it's lively. It is definitely lively, so let's get this it's, into the glass. Uh, yeah, it's pouring out. So while you're, t- while you're pouring that, I'm going to um, go through what the, the third beer is. So this is from Brewery Bostils, uh, who are a microbrewery in Bougainhoot. Whichever way you say, whichever way I say, you know we're going to both get it wrong. Bougainhoot in Belgium. <laughs> he sounds uh, like the Swedish chef. <laughs> which is actually, if you look at it on a map... It's actually in the middle of a triangle between Brussels, Antwerp, and Ghent. It's it's between those three major places okay. in, in in Belgium. Uh, as a brewery, they're best known for Quack, uh, Triple Carmelite, and Dias as well. Um, and the brewery's been in the hands of the Bostils family for over 200 years and seven generations. Their forefather, Everest Bostils, established the brewery in 1791. Uh, and then it came round to their seventh generation who decided they'd sell the business to ABI in September 2016. Yeah, I read a big article about them because Triple Carbolite is quite big in the States. Okay. Which I didn't know. And I've had Triple Carbolite, but it, looking at my untapped, it was obviously before I started on untapped. And it is considered quite a an example of the style of a triple a Belgian triple 
but until I'd read the article uh, a year or so back, I had to me, I had no idea they'd sold to ABI. No, neither did I until I started reading through it. Yeah. Um, so this is uh, a limited release from 2018, single batch BBB01. It's a British style barley wine coming in at 12.5%. It's a seasonal beer that's been aged in single batch barrels of Madeira. There's definitely an aroma coming off it. There's a barrel. I've, I've, I've got none of that so far. Aged so. aroma coming over my, but that's mainly because I spilled it over my side. Okay. Let's, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's poured very dark, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah. What, what's left of it that didn't shoot out the top. Cheers. There's definitely a bit of a woody. There is, I mean. Woody nose on there. It doesn't. That, that smells like a regional English best bitter. Can't believe you said that before you taste it, but it doesn't, it doesn't that, smell... That, like, that's, that's what the aroma's telling yeah, me. it doesn't smell like a barley wine as I was expecting. No. Oh, that's soft. Yeah, I think that carbonation, which was evident when I opened the bottle, has lent itself to be quite soft. It's got a real soft mouthful, but it's lively at the same time. Yeah. It's uh, got that... I've used it before. It's got almost a sort of a bit of a boiled sweet quality to it. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll give Rather it that. than that fruitcake quality, which you sometimes get with yeah. barley wine, it's got more of the boiled sweet. Yeah, I think that could grow on me actually. I, th- I think yeah, it's, uh, allow that to. Uh, well, I mean, again, we're serving at room temperature. Yeah. Um, it's not really going to warm, but just allow it to breathe a little bit yeah. in, in in the glass. Um, just I suppose the last thing to say on that um, again uh, in in tune with the other beers we've drunk tonight. The overall worldwide score on untapped for this one is 3.74. Obviously, all of these untapped scores that we're talking about are are dependent on the number of people that have checked the beer in as well. Yeah, I mean, I've had quack before. You've had quack before, I presume? Uh, Yeah, I did when I was in Belgium recently. Yeah, so, I mean, for people who aren't too sure, quack is the one which comes in a a mini yard of ale in a stand, doesn't it? Yes, and somebody actually, we'll, we'll come on to it later, but somebody actually said that's the bar... That takes uh, the shoe off is of that you. the shoe one? Well, yeah. it makes sense because people would be trying to take that. They'll never, yes. u- they'll never use it. Well, if you just wait until Christmas over here, you can get it in any supermarket. Yeah, but I think a few years ago you couldn't. No. I think it's a relatively new thing. Um, looking on my untapped score, although like most people who've been to Belgium or tried the quack because it's a good photo opportunity, um, I've never been that fussed about it. I'm only giving it 3.25. It's quite low for me for, for a lot of Belgian beers. Um, and haven't said much about it either. I've just gone 3.25 and Friday night surprise beer in Belgium. That's when I was stuck in Belgium before my brother's wedding in Cologne. Friday night surprise beer? Well, yeah, because I was supposed to be in Cologne. Oh, I, oh okay. That's what and, me and, and, my, you, and you were in Belgium. Me and my brother missed a connection. Uh, at the time. I, I think I've, um, the couple of times that I've checked it in, I think I've rated it quite highly actually so first time i checked in quack was in 2014 on new year's eve uh, and i gave it a four um and then i checked it in again on christmas day in 2017 um and i gave it a three so that's a drop that is quite a drop in three years it's yeah, 2017 is when you were doing the 12 beers of christmas you had a cold then, didn't you? I did have a cold that year, yeah. Good good shout, actually. Maybe um, I need to revisit it. I know I didn't have it when we recently went to Belgium, but Emma did. She had she had quack because she saw the glass and she wanted, wanted, to, yeah, yeah. wanted to do the experience. She didn't have to give up her shoe, though. 
which for for Emma would have been a massive challenge to have given up one of her shoes because she loves her shoes. <laughs> so that's all, that's all I'm going to say uh, about that. Okay, so no, no nicking her shoe at the wedding then. No. Okay. Um, right. So I suppose you want to know my view. Do, well, do, yeah, I'll give it my view. Yeah. So you did initially say three thirty. So are you just three thirties, or is there a place for others? Um, I think I'm just in, in terms of cans. I think I'm just three thirties, and I don't know whether there's some conditioning going on there that. Canned drinks have always been three thirty mils, whether it, whether it be soft drinks or, or you, you know, and I, I think when when we first started seeing some of the craft beer appearing in cans, it was in three thirty mils. Mainstream lagers have always been in the four forty five hundred mils, haven't they? We've always had you know your Fosters, your Carlin, all, all the rest. Yeah, of it generally it's been in, in your big cans. The four forties in the slams, isn't it? I, I, I think what, what what gets my goat. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> uh, about the 440 mil cans is that every fucking brewery has to put every new beer in a 440 mil can. And it's just tiresome. It's like, oh, God, have some have some innovation. Y- y- you know, think about what you're doing. We, we, we've spoken before about, particularly about Magic Rock and human and unhuman cannonball. As as much as, as as good fun as it is, I don't need five hundred mils of unhuman cannonball. Oh, no, it's the wrong way around. Although I was always quite happy to have six six sixty mils of it in in, <laughs> in a bomber, but I I don't understand why breweries go up in size with their with their vessel as the ABV increases. I mean, recently Cloudwater have released a twelve percent quadruple IPA in a four forty mil can. It doesn't need to be in a 440ml can. No, it's interesting that because obviously uh, Marble, who we saw a few months ago, they did their barley wine in a 440 can for their 2017 and they brought it down to a 330 can for the 2018. And But that's because they listened to their yeah. customers feeding that back that they didn't need the big cans? And even that we, uh, me and Michelle shared that at the weekend and again, fine, smaller glass, sort of end of the session for want of a better phrase. Yeah. It was a nice size. Yeah. And, and, and I think I'm, I'm still ranting here as well by the way I, th- I think going back to the whole 440 mil thing for me there's something there in, in terms of me falling slightly out of love with beer in relation to the onset of the 440 mil can because it happened at the time where everything became juicy and murky and quality control seemed to be an afterthought and costs increased I was going to say the last bit increase the or sorry let's put it that way definitely my perception of the cost seemed to go up by more than 110 milliliters of beer yeah oh absolutely is that a better way of putting it yeah you know what i had in my head of a 330 can when it became a 440 the cost seemed to go up more than the cost seemed to double rather than to uh, rather than an extra third so yeah and i found that quite hard to work with and if you ordered a few and i have mounts up Comes quite a big cost, and you're taking a risk as well. well sometimes, especially, especially if it's either a new beer or new beer from a new brewery. So there are some breweries who we've said it before with trust. Yeah. So there are some breweries who bring out four forties. I may not go for them, but if I did, I'm probably fairly confident it's still going to be good. But a four forty from a new brewery, it may be seven or eight quid. Cut a couple of those in your cut. Suddenly you're doing sixteen, seventeen quid for two drinks. 
Yeah, it, 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 it becomes really expensive. Yeah, and for some, this becomes prohibitive for some people. And, and I've had my fair share of beers that haven't been good as, as well, and I've spent a lot of money on them, and I'm like, and now, now I'm wasting 440 mils of beer. Now, now that's a lot of liquid I'm wasting there, yeah. because I'm not enjoying this beer. And I, I for one, I, I love when you see the likes of, uh, is it Salt, salt Brewing, Salt Beer yeah. Factory, who are new in salt air, just released cans, first time they've released cans, they're all 330 mil, well, which, which, is, which is great. And Siren recently. So, Siren. Then they're, could be classed as their, part of their core range. Yeah. And then four lots of, can, four lots of cans, even including their breakfast out. Yeah, but also, they've, they've also said, so, so this was kind of, this, again, this was last week, wasn't it? So they've got a really smart new rebrand. And, and news about their cans as well. I think the well. cans look really good. Their cans look great. And, and you, you could, you know it's Siren. You can see the branding. Yeah. Um, so they've said they're going to can both 330 and 440ml, um, with 440ml being introduced over the next couple of months. Flagship will be in 330ml. Uh, one-off seasonal and collaborative releases will be labelled and packed into 330 or 440 at our discretion. We're conscious of the price points that come with the larger formats and appreciate that some styles are better suited than others. It's like Siren have gone, we're listening. We've we've listened to what craft beer have said about can size. What's their last sentence? Um, And appreciate that some styles are better suited than than, than others. And choice is good. Choice is good. So they're going to give us a choice or it will be their discretion. They're still going to take a think about it. So going back to what you said... It's not everything's 440. Not everything's 330. We're going to have a bit of think about it. Maybe ask a few people. Maybe see how other ones have gone or a similar type of beer. And then we'll decide how we're going to package it. Yeah. They probably won't get it right every time. No. Absolutely not. And they'll probably have people saying, oh, why do yeah. you just go straight into 440? Because but, that's, what, that's what craft beer expects now is 440 mil cans. Surely if you've got... Talking about the, the, the cans, I don't even know if you've finished your rant yet, but still... <laughs> I might um, just be halfway through. But... You know, listeners might be quite glad I'm interrupting them for a second. But surely in not just your fridge at home, but fridges in shops, more maybe more so than bars, the three thirty stack better. Yeah, you can get you can get two on a shelf. Yeah. Normally. So if you want to keep them all cold, which everyone wants cold beers generally, you can have more there. Whereas the four forties it always feels like there's space above. Yeah. Maybe in bars you want four forties sometimes because they stand out a bit more because the real estate of the can. And apparently some sticky thing behind it as well sometimes. But yeah, I would say that the 330s generally hit a bit of a sweet spot for me still. I, I would never buy a 440ml can from a from a bar for fear of how much it's going to cost. Versus whether you like it or not. Yeah, a- a- absolutely. I mean, like, like I say, I'm, I'm at a point where if, if I see another new brewery launch with 440ml cans, I'd... I'd I, I'm not going to be held responsible for my actions. Okay, you heard it here, <laughs> and I have to see him quite regularly. So please think, Steve. <laughs> but equally, recently Buxton have dropped back down to three thirty mils. Yeah, and, and they were big advocates of the four forties. Th- th- they were, and a lot of people said, "Oh, well, you're clearly going into supermarkets." And they were like, "No, we're just trying it to to see if it's a better size for for our cans." Well, look. Axe Edge was always three thirty bottle. Yeah, I, 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 I love Axe Edge, but I don't need 
four forty mils of it in one go. No, uh, you, you know I will. One of the comments earlier was about the beer warming up. Yeah, you don't um, want access to warming up. Yeah, yeah. And, and Simon's comment about well, if I like it, I can buy another one. Or you've already got another one. You can decide whether to have it or not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm you know I'm still very very happy with Cannonball in a three thirty mil can. I'm ecstatic with Jaipur in a 330ml can. I don't need them in 440ml cans just to keep up with the Joneses. But I will still go back to my original. I think I'm still in the... I think there's a lot of time... I think there's a lot of good reasons for the 330 cans. I agree with you. I'm not sure new breweries producing new beers should be diving in on 440 cans when they come out as expensive as they can do. Yeah, prove prove yourself. Prove yourself in a a 330. And if, if your beer's good... Then I'm more than happy for you to to, to put it in a four forty yeah. mil. Four forty straight away, six seven pound a can. You're taking you're taking a risk, and I'm taking a risk. Yeah, but I would say there are certain beers, and I go back to that example of the the session IPA we had had at Marble, five hundred milliliter can. We smashed that. We did smash that. And when I've had cans of, you know, how to call it pint metric. Yeah. Um, I've smashed that. Yeah. As, as, as well in, in, in 500 mils and a few people did also mention about Arbor and their 568 pint yeah. cans and when we were up at, in Bristol in Christmas for the pre-Crimberg crawl which is now a thing we were smash, we, we were sharing those yeah. around and that, they were perfect for that evening would I buy a case of 500 milliliter 568 milliliter cans probably not yeah and also <laughs> still going as, as, a, as a train beer I'm more comfortable sitting and drinking a 330 mil on, on a train than I am maybe a, a bigger can because it, it kind of, when, when you've got a, a larger can in your hands, it, 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 you start getting those connotations of, oh, it's the drunk in the corner drinking a, a big can of beer. Whereas with a, with a smaller can, it's, it's much easier to drink on the train. And Oh, I've never thought about that. I used to have the 568 M&S Citroen bottles. <laughs> that was way bigger than a can. <laughs> But then I was on the Intercity, which had a table. And so, also had Ghost Ship available at the bar on the... Oh, yeah, there is that as well. Oh, okay, I'm going to cry now. So on, I don't, on the I don't, train. I don't have either of those things. Yeah. Um, so let's dive back into some more comments. Uh, and the next series of comments is all about what we've just been chatting about, which is the cost yep. of, of them as well. So first up from Riverman Brews, Riverman Brews UK. Not, not enough that they actually forced their way onto actually guesting <laughs> on the show they they still want to be involved they still want to get mentioned don't they um, in the spirit of the poll voted 330 but it still absolutely depends on the strength of the beer and it assumes a direct relationship between size and cost which is what you were saying earlier Gregor at Gregor underscore J underscore 330 mil generally however I think beer style should be considered when packaging beer the 500 mil bottles that Colonel use for their power hours are absolutely are an absolute treat which I love I think big cans of Dipper are also too expensive. Bay Beer Reviews at Bay Beer Reviews says I voted 330 because it lets you have a wider variety of different beer if that's your thing. The advent of 440 mils as the norm seems to have coincided with the seven, eight, nine pound ripoff can of beer. Plus 440s reminds me of Dross Lager of yesteryear. Similar to what you were saying. Yeah. Put you in mind of the going to the supermarket, buying a slab of beer. 
440 can and just drinking it yeah Michael at Mick McGrorty um, got to be 330 purely on price 440s always seem to end up £4 plus which pushes them into special purchase territory for me that extra £1 a can will add up if everybody is doing 440s and finally Wemden Beer Monster at Barley Wine is Life 330 meals so I can try more beers Voted the same in 2016. I also object to the increasing number of £7 plus 440 mil cans, which must be overlooked by many of those on a budget. I think it's a valid point. Cost comes into it. Yeah. We all have varying budgets. We all have varying things we need to spend it on. You know, there's a lot of essentials we need to spend it on. And let's be honest, 440 millilitre cans of beer can never be, or any sort of beer can never be decided as an essential or, you know, classified as essential. So when they start becoming... You know, so Michael has said four pound plus. Baby review said seven, eight pound, nine pound, and Webdon has said seven pound plus. These are now the norm for four forty milliliter cans. That's a lot of money to spend on. Well, if you do an online order, yeah, and you were going for twelve of that, that's an expensive beer order. Absolutely. For beers, which for some of them, you may not have tried before. But if you also factor in Gregor's comments there as well about Colonel using five hundred mil bottles for their parallels. Absolutely yes, and I and, and I love that. But I'm I'm not paying more than four or five quid for five hundred mils of Colonel beer. Uh, Colonel beers, aside from some of the places I have purchased it in London on draft, bottle wise, whether you're doing it direct, but turning up at Colonel, doing it say through Ebria, I've always found the prices to be quite reasonable. Really reasonable, regardless yeah. of their size. Regardless yeah. of the size, um, it'll be interesting if Colonel ever went into cans. How much? And what size? Do you reckon that'll ever happen? I hope not. I, honestly, if that happens, and you, listeners, you can hold me to this. If that happens, oh. I'm done with beer. Oh, God. I am actually done with beer. If, oh. if Colonel ever go into a 440 wraparound fucking label. Honestly. Mm. God, Tuesday morning, Colonel <laughs> drops the news. <laughs> 440 cans with a brown paper bag around it. Right, yeah. Full, full rip-off lid as, <laughs> as, as well. That that would just finish it off for me. So we had a few other views as well. So uh, from That Beer Place at That Beer Place HQ, we've seen a distinct shift away from customers buying craft in 330, especially in bottles. 500 milliliter bottle just seemed to scream trad. I think that's probably fair enough. Yeah, Most people. absolutely. Um, although... North Riding Brew still do 500 milliliter bottles, and as we just said, Colonel still yeah. do. Five. So there is still yeah. there is there are a few exceptions, but I would I would agree the five the 500 does. Do you remember when Thornbridge used to do 500 mil of Jaipur? Yeah, it already feels like Years forever ago. ago, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, so that leaves 440 as the people's choice. Oddly, package size, who uh, let me carry on here, <laughs> uh, seems to outweigh the quality inside for many consumers. That's really interesting, isn't it? That's an it? interesting that, that one. final part of that comment. Yeah, so distinct shift away from the 330s, especially in bottles. Yeah, we've seen bottles are sort of disappearing. Yeah. 500 bottles, generally people would assume that's a, uh, a trad beer or a trad beer trying to do craft. 440, I can see. 440 is almost like Uber craft now. It's, it's almost to the point where if you're not doing 440, you're not craft. Yeah. 
you'll just main so if you're doing three thirties, you must be going into supermarkets. That's the only reason you're doing three thirties. Yes, because that was one of the first things that somebody said about Sirens announcement. They went, Oh, you must be going into supermarkets if you're doing three thirty. Yeah, which wasn't the case. No. It was never the case because part of their um wasn't part of their crowdfunding pitch about cans. Cans. Yeah. That was their one of their aims, wasn't it? And they've obviously taken their time to do it. So it's a really interesting comment there. Um, from Stephen Hadfield at Sadist of Fields. Funny thing is, I'm usually bored of the contents of most 440s after 330 milliliters. I find the more interesting beers coming out of 300, 330s or 500s, regardless of being trad or not. That's quite an interesting, interesting comment. Interesting, yeah. And lastly, from, oh, not lastly, but penultimately from Hopzine at Hopzine. Was the 440 milliliter can made popular because US hype breweries like Trillium and Treehouse were using them? They were adopted by UK breweries that wanted to benefit from the reflected similarities to those US producers? Question mark. Possibly. What do you think? Well, I mean, if you, if you look at that can that we've had this evening, it's a, it's a silver can with a wraparound label. So it's... Um, I, and, and I think if we, if we look at the early... The early adopters of the 440 mil cans being cloud water, that was very similar to what their early cans look look like as, as, as yeah, well. Yeah, that's true. And almost the same now as well. You know, most most cloud water cans have still got a wraparound label on on a plain silver silver can underneath it. Yeah, I'd I'd agree with that. But I hadn't, uh, thought, I hadn't thought about them uh, sort of mirroring. No, but we know cloud water take have taken massive inspiration from. The, the likes of Trillium and Treehouse in, in terms of the way they've gone about beer production and, you know, publicity and everything. You know, that's there for them, isn't it? Before we do the last comment, which is obviously very extensive from yeah. Mark N. Johnson, apparently co-host of the show. Um, final thoughts on the beer? I really enjoyed that as, as, it, as it sat in the glass for a little bit longer. The, the liveliness died down a little bit and it really rounded out and became really soft on the finish. Had a really sweet, and I started to get some of those fruitcake flavours coming through that you do get from a traditional English barley wine. Okay, so I started to like it less. It's really interesting. As it warmed up, I actually preferred it when it was a bit cooler and had more of that carbonated boiled sweet. Almost like a fizzy board sweet. You know, inside the board sweet sometimes so that has that fizzy bit. Yeah. That's what it reminded me of. Whereas as it warmed up and got a bit sweeter, a little bit more cloying, I wasn't loving it quite as much. That's 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 really interesting that we, we seem to be shifting on all of the beers in, yeah. in terms of our starting point and our finishing point. Probably not so with this next one. No, I think this one might be a bit more aligned. I'm out of the five beers we were given... This is the one I'm most excited about trying, and it's not just because it's 18%. <laughs> so, last comment from, as the aforementioned co-host, from Mark N. Johnson, simply put, 440 milliliters, bottles. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> Which I thought was brilliant. <laughs> Had to actually. be different. <laughs> yeah. I think I actually replied to that, and it's very rare that I reply to comments that are made, and I simply said to him, what, with wraparound labels? Yeah. So... I have now poured the fourth beer from this wonderful selection that's been sent to us by Will. Yeah, and this is, like I say, this is the one I'm most excited about, I've got to say. So, the reason you're excited about this, Steve, is because it's a Imperial India Pale Ale. 
It's the Dogfish Head 120 minute IPA as it's called. And it comes in at a um, sessionable 18% I believe. And on the front of it, it says age as well. Now, we're not sure when this was bottled, are we? No, I, d- I did ask Will, and he, he said he, he had no idea when he picked it up. Uh, I mean, it is, like, like I say, it says age as well, but then on the side it says drink fresh or leave for 10 years. There's there's no middle ground there, no. really, is so we don't there? So we, we don't know where we're sitting on this? No, no, a- absolutely not. Now, have you had the 90 minute? I've had the 90 minute and I've had the 60 minute as well, both when I was in um, the States on holiday. Oh, when you went to Florida? Yeah. I haven't both had the found, Both found in the supermarket on the shelf, which I was like a kid in a candy shop. Okay, well, I'm going to, and I may have mentioned it before, I might, I might try and trump that because the 90 minute Imperial IPA was available on the Amtrak. Yes, yeah, you told me that. Train beer. <laughs> Yeah, ninety minute Imperial IPA. So, so, so the thing with all of these beers is that the the the, the amount of time indicates how long it's been continuously hopped for. So that's every minute so more that, hops are added. Okay, to the boil. so sixty minutes is literal. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Should we get into it? Let's let, let's get into it and let's let's not let it warm too much. Cheers. Oh, that has Just got that an nose. that's got an IPA. Nose, hasn't it? Still, yeah. I mean, I mean, the one thing that this beer advertises itself as is the holy growl for hop heads. Oh, that initial tasting is fantastic. Oh, oh. but just to be clear, if I, that's the only bit I tasted, there's no way I could say that it was 18%. And no, but I, th- I think in a few sips we'll be saying, yeah, it's yeah. 18%. Yeah. Yeah. Look out, listeners. Yeah. So, so I've, I've, I've had both the 60 and the 90. So um, what did you, uh, I mean, I gave four out of five for the 90 minute. Like I said, I had no idea. What, really I, what I gave, I gave both of them four out of five. Um, I haven't had the 60. I also had, um, and I think this was from you, the flesh and blood. Yes, it was, it was, that was some of the ones I bought back from um, when I was in Florida and again bags of fruit really nice juicy and I mean juicy as in the flavour rather than the uh, like the gloopy kind of juices yeah. in 2016 really enjoyed it you got all that fresh orange coming through I think yeah absolutely so some, some stuff about um, the beer um, as I say it's uh, continuously hopped with copious amounts of high alpha US hops throughout the boil and whirlpool, and then dry hopped with another pallet of hops afterwards. It's unfiltered as, as, as well. Um, 18% Imperial IPA, but if you leave it to age, it does, by all accounts, turn into the most amazing barley wine. Um, from Dogfish Head, who are based in uh, Delaware in the States, uh, originally opened in 1995 by Sam Calaglione, Produces 262,000 US barrels annually. Their first beer was called Midas Touch, which was brewed with honey, white musket grapes, and saffron, which is something quite different from that's an what, ambitious, what that's we're an ambitious start, isn't it? Yeah, for a first beer. Uh, although they originally started by only selling beer in the state of Delaware, um, Dogfish Head is soon became one of the most profitable microbreweries in the states. As of 2017, it distributes beer to 38 states. Um, in 2018, Dogfish Head has become one of America's largest and well-known breweries, 
producing around 15,000 gallons of beer per day. And then as we... Um, uh, recently on the news... I think we referenced we, this, didn't we? We referenced this. Um, Dogfish Head uh, were acquired by the Boston Beer Company for 300 million. And they're the ones um, who make Sam and Adams yeah, Boston Lager. Yeah, so... And I think we said at the time, if that means we see more Dogfish Head in the UK... That's a great thing. I mean, I this beer I would love to see here. Well, this is 19%. And I thought I'd done their biggest beer when I went to Arizona. Their oak-aged vanilla worldwide stout, which came in at a measly 17.5. I didn't know they had a beer bigger than this. They do some massive beer. I mean, this is completely out of kilter with what Boston Sam Adams do. Yeah. Even with some of the Sam Adams specials, they don't—they don't do this sort of crazy stuff. No, but that's maybe that's why the partnership was formed because th- these do the out there stuff and Boston do the straight yeah. up stuff you want to drink. And also different parts of the country, I presume as well. Yeah. So you've got Delaware, you've got Boston. There's quite a range of places that are going to be to cover, and if they've already got access to 38 states, you're going to start to cover most of the US, aren't you? Absolutely. And they'd probably see what happened with a few other breweries who tried to expand on their own. Probably a good move. Yeah. This is fantastic. I mean, that finish, it's like resinous multiplied and, and, and then you just get this bitterness that just cuts through everything. It's it's citrus, it's caramel, there's it's got those piney resinous notes that brought us into the IPAs. It, yeah, it's in 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 the most basic sense. Um, a, a, assuming that possibly most of our listeners will maybe never get the opportunity to try this beer. In, imagine taking Sierra Nevada Parallel and, and times in everything about it by ten. No, Prob- probably this is like the Bugatti Veyron this this is you're getting close to what this yeah. is in terms of its flavour its mouthfeel the body the finish everything about it it's it's just incredible but how have they made this beer at 18% and this drinkable I've no idea and, and appar- apparently the ABV varies each year because it's it's one of these beers that's pr- produced annually Oh, what, between 17 and 19 then? Yeah, 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 why not? Why, why we still not? don't actually advertise on the bottle. No, no, the, the bottle's very uh, very scarce in, in information. Very scarce in detail. Is, isn't it? Um, were we done with opinions? Did we finish off there yeah, with, with, with Mark's comment? Okay, yeah. so just to say, as always, uh, if you want to read all of the comments, and there were a lot of comments on... on there was this easily, week's what, 70, between 17 and 18 Yeah, comments. we couldn't feature them all, uh, but there is a link in the show notes to the original question. Uh, click on that, you'll be able to read all of the answers if, if, that, if you so desire. Uh, and if you want to still carry on getting involved in the discussion, use the hashtag opinions and you may very well feature in this next part of the show. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know your thoughts and bitter in lingerness. Write it down. Quite a lot of feedback again on some recent shows. First up from Top Rope Brewing at Top Rope Brewing. Lovely to have a mention on the Beer O'Clock Show. Hope you enjoyed the beer and the city. I had a check-in at the brewery. I had a check at the brewery earlier and that was the last bottle that you guys drank. Give us a shout next time you're up and we'll come say hi. So this was the beer that Rob Beer Odyssey bought us, wasn't it? It, it was, yeah. Dead crafty. Again, thank you very much, Rob. I know you're not currently on Twitter but I hope you're still listening to the show. Um, 
it, that was a fantastic beer. It was amazing, and even better to now know it was the last beer in existence. But still, weirdly, it was the last beer in existence, but it was number one. Yes, yeah. It's quite strange, that one, but yeah. I quite like the symmetry to that. But I think we need to go back to Liverpool to do something with Top Rope Brewing so we can do wrestling and beer. Yes, you can. <laughs> can, 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 can I sub someone in yes. for, 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 for that show? Yes, can I, I'll be can at, I take Chinnery with me? Yes, you take Chinnery, I'll be at Anfield. Okay. Uh, well, you can maybe sub me out and then we could do a football wrestling well, kind Ch- of... Chinnery can do both sides. Yeah, yeah. Chinnery would be the only main host that, that, that weekend. <laughs> Uh, Will Watkins at Dry Your Beers so again once again Will we can't thank you enough for these beers especially having now tasted the Dogfish Head 120 Minute IPA uh, Will said cheers for another shout out gents have to say I agree with Martin preferred the Cloudwater West Coast Pal versus the IPA which shocked me please tell me you're recording the next pod on a Monday night 18% dot 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 clearly we are Will yep <laughs> And also, he's got such great taste because he agreed with me. Well, he's you're both wrong. Oh, he's another one who's wrong, is he? You're both wrong. Yeah. Um, Beers Without Frontiers podcast at beers underscore frontiers. Great show again, guys. Despite some challenging acoustics, air conditioning noises. Really sorry about that in the last show. You don't. Sometimes you don't hear these things until you go back into the edit. Yeah. Um, always nice to hear brown owls discussed recently had a great American brown owl at drink more beer tap in Bermondsey it's a great style but I feel it's filed alongside mild as being uncool I think think it's probably right actually because I think we mentioned that and I said that the American brown owl is such a great example of the brown owl style whereas over here with the twiggy hedgerow version of that Uh, from Richard Taylor at Richard Taylor 1608 I'm predicting more root vegetable beers I've seen a few carrot beers and beetroot beers recently. Definitely not for me, but they exist. Another great show. Looking forward to future shows. Uh, I'm going to say straight away, none of those beers are for me. I, have, I, I, I have, don't want vegetable in my I beer. I think I've had a beetroot beer before. I don't need to rush back to root vegetable beers no. at all. Um, from Hopzina. Second comment from Hopzina. He's, he's, he's doing, doing, doing well, yeah. Um, I do like a brown ale, dot, 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 non-Yuki. My predictions, more IPAs. Well, thanks, Hopzine. Thanks, Rob. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's a given, isn't it? Yeah. That we're going to see more IPAs. Uh, from River and Brews at River and Brews UK. What's, you may have heard about them before. Their, their second comment yeah, as well. What's going on? For those of you that heard us discussing beers made with Kvik. Vike. Vike. On the Last Opinions podcast, here's a great little article that tells you more than any of us knew when we recorded. And there'll be a link to the show note, link through the show notes to that one yes. as well. Yes, yeah, because we, we found some bits after we had recorded yeah. that show. And actually, I saw um, in the Pelt Trader the other day, there was a beer from Siren, which had the same, it's a yeast strain, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. Same yeast strain had been used in it. I took yeah. a picture of that to send to them. So that was quite interesting, actually. Something I'm going to see everywhere. I think it's one of those things that you're going to suddenly see everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. From Neil Hayden at Neil Hayden 73 I'm not sure of the bar, however, I think the shoe deposit you mentioned on the show relates to quack as you get a glass and a stand. Which, which is what we mentioned yeah, earlier. We mentioned it it that makes earlier. sense, but it's the obvious one to go for, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Um, Mark Johnson, again at Marking Johnson, finally got round to this most enjoyable Andrew and Luke. They should start their own podcast. Stephen Martin were right too, I guess. In reference to the Thief of Eight Glasses, I like the way he, he capitalised all of yeah. that as well. He did wear a huge coat with innumerable pockets. I think there were four glasses in each pocket and two up the sleeves. He was a skinny lad too, so it looked rather obvious. I've spent enough in there in the 13 years since to not feel too guilty though. 
Uh, and also just um, some other feedback we've had that wasn't via Twitter, but um, obviously we do listen to other beer podcasts and we know well, other I'm beer podcasts. Well, I'm not going to anymore because they just reference our guests. Listen to us, yeah. Um, we did get some nice feedback from Men Behaving Badly about the episode that we did with Mark Johnson, although they did only seem to think that Mark was the expert yeah. in, in, in the I'm, room. I'm, I've decided in my own head that they're actually complimenting us because a bit like the best interviewers of our day Wogan Aspel Parkinson they made their guests so so at ease that you got everything from them yeah so because we get our guests on they become part of the show we get everything from them so I'm going to take that as a compliment for us okay we'll, we'll take that one I did um, I did particularly enjoy their last show though where, where they were doing a flight of beers in the beer garden yeah, it was the four different beers wasn't yeah, it yeah and someone randomly came up and started speaking <laughs> to them and they had the conversation in the middle of the podcast yeah. no need to cut that sort of stuff out guys just leave it in it's too much like hard work <laughs> yeah, just leave it where it is absolutely um, and I think that's that's it for um, feedback. We've just uh, we've just got the one question to do, but um, before we get into the question, because we've still got another beer, which will obviously see us out of the show. Yeah. So, final thoughts on Dogfish Head 120 minute IPA. Well, well, you give yours. Why, why I well, finished because I finished mine. Yeah, yeah. Bloody amazing! I remember how I felt when I was drinking the 90 minute one on the train. First of all, thinking, how on earth is this so accessible on the train? And why are you selling it to me on a train at half nine in the morning? Um, this is just so easy to drink. It's, it is, but that bitterness goes on for days, yes. and I love it. It's brilliant. I absolutely love it. I mean, this this is what made me fall in love with beer. Mm. And, and and over the last couple of years, there's it, been no secret. I've, I've I've fallen out of love with beer a little bit because everything's become juicy and hazy. Somebody in the UK needs to produce something like this. Do you reckon they can? I don't know if they can. I think all they can produce right now is juice bombs. Because, you know, like I said, I've had, you've had the 60 minute, I've had the 90, and now I've had the 120. We're both big fans of the 120. I love the 120. Could I tell? If I was doing a blind tasting, there's no way I'd pitch that 18%. Oh, I don't know. I, th- I think if you were doing a bottle of that to yourself, you'd oh. by the time you got to the end of it, because it's only a three thirty ml bottle. Maybe a bottle, but is that a three thirty ml? A blind tasting, you wouldn't be doing what a bottle. It's a bit more than a three thirty. You wouldn't be doing a bottle. No, that's that, that's true. But picture yourself with a bottle of that on your own. Well, by the so. time you started getting to the end of it, you'd you'd know you'd been drinking. Well, if that been if that been the option on the train, Michael would have been getting off the train. I'm staying right through to Washington, <laughs> Philadelphia. And, and then I'm coming back again. <laughs> yeah, I'm drinking the same shit again. Um, question. Questions, questions, fill my head. This is from Ian Hay, at IIA. Bloke in the airport lounge, drinking champagne and eating soup. Not a good combo in my honest opinion. Cheese and beer for me. What's the oddest food and drink pairing you've seen? I'm going to ask a different question. Can you eat soup? Do you slurp soup or drink soup or eat soup? I think you drink soup. I think I think it's normally part of a menu, isn't yeah. it? So you do, you do eat soup. Because I always I always associate eating with like chewing. Well, you could ask the same question of ice cream, then, couldn't you? Yeah. Do you eat ice cream? Yeah. I would. I would ask the same question. Okay, this is a whole new podcast okay. that that we're going is that into. Another spin-off. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Opinions on eating. Eating habits. Yeah. Um, right. Okay. Before we answer. 
We have Wicked Weed Brewing. Is this giving us time to think about it then? Think about the answer. Okay. So it's all time. It's all planned. Yep. Barrel aged El Parisio or Pariso. Imperial coffee stout uh, brewed with coffee and cocoa nibs. And I think this one dropped down to a oh, much more sensible 11.5%. So we've just knocked 6.5% off the beer. Yeah, we did go high. I, it, it was always a question of whether we did do, the, the dogfish head at the end. Yeah, but it always feels right to finish on the barrel-aged stout, doesn't it? It does. So, as you say, barrel-aged imperial stout, 11.5%. Um, Wicked Weed are from Asheville in North Carolina in the States, founded in 2012. Um, but announced in 2017 that they've been acquired by AB InBev. The second of the breweries are featured tonight. So it's two out of five. Yep. They two of the news items were ABI related. Yep. Um, they were, and I don't think anyone will um, disagree with me for saying this, they were very much the craft darlings in, oh. in, in, in the States and they were dropped like a hot brick. The minute they sold, they oh, sold to AB InBev. I think it was it was similar to some of the noise over here about, say, Beavertown. Yeah, if you thought the outrage over here for Beavertown was bad, you should have seen what went on when these guys uh, announced that they'd sold. But yeah, um, as you say, barrel-aged, bourbon barrel-aged. Uh, let's see what we've got. Cheers. I mean, that's just all coffee. That is... On the, on the nose. Bags of coffee on the nose. I was expecting maybe a bit of bourbon or vanilla or something. But yeah, I'm getting none of that. I am just getting almost 100% coffee. Okay, pretty much coffee now as well on the, on the flavour, on the palate. Oh, you know what? I'm a little bit disappointed. That's really thin. Yeah, but hold on. We've gone, think about the beers we've just had. I, I know, but now I'm thinking we should have done the, the dogfish headlines. No, no, no. We need to build into it. Build mm, into it. Okay. Remember, we've had a bit of advice from people, some yeah, yeah. like Justin yeah, yeah, in the yeah, past. Yeah, yeah. You need a bit of a palate reset. We've got enough beer in the glass to palate reset. Have you had beers from Wicked Weed before? No, these are, um, along with Amundsen, they're, they're the only two. No, I've had them. Uh, other half and these guys I haven't had before. Okay, well I have, but bizarrely, not when I was in the States. Oh, okay. When I went to the Netherlands last. Oh, Yeah. really? Yeah, so when I went out for a bit of a bike ride, because it was, uh, I think, May time, I went out the last time. Uh, one of these bars which I already popped on to before um, stopped off and I had a couple of their IPAs so I had one called Freak of Nature okay Um, IPA Imperial slash double according to Untapped I've given it 4.25 and I've just gone waves of piney bitter goodness and it does look good on the picture it does look really good actually and then I followed that up by having um, just their IPA uh, called Lieutenant Dank I have had beers. I've had, I've had this beer. There you I've, go. I've had it. Um, and I gave that a four, and I've gone exactly as hopped for. Oh, uh, you know, now you say it, I was. You remember that uh, last Christmas, Miles did that beery secret centre? Yeah. Somebody sent me some wicked weed beers as part of that. Oh, cool. So I'm just. Um, just looking on untapped. Yeah, just seeing one beer, the Lieutenant Dank, which... Oh, you only give a three and a half. Piney bitterness laced with sharp citrus and subtle tropical notes, 3.5. 
that was one of a three beer session that I did as part of a single day on the 12 beers of Christmas last year okay uh, so that might have affected my rating true but I, I did think both the IPAs I had were very good this I still think it's tasting really nice I just think we just need to get into it a little bit more yeah I've, I've got to agree we, it, we've we've followed on from I'm going to say four fairly thick beers in, yes. in, in, in terms of their body even the, the the barley wine had a had a certain thickness to oh, it it definitely got thicker as it yeah. went on um yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see how this one yeah. goes. So, back to the question, right? So, from Ian Hay at II Hay, bloke in the airport, champagne and soup, what's the weirdest combination you've had, or oddest combination, or one you've seen? So, I'm not a big foodie, so I don't really go in for the whole food and beer matching, so I, I, I'm not sure I've got one for, for this. Okay, I have. Okay. I always found it really weird, and I'm going to count you in this as well, when we'd have the bottle share, where you'd bring along chocolate brownies to just share out with random beers. I do not get sweet stuff and beer. No. Even with a sweet beer. See, I think it works. No. I'm, when I'm drinking beer, I'm about the beer, unless we've got, say, meat or cheese, um, or something unhealthy like pork scratchings. I do not need sweet stuff with beer. I do, I, the two things don't get together. Not, not even if it's with the beer that the the brownies have been made. Oh, with. even more so. If you give me a brownie now, which was made with this barrel aged beer, I'll be going. Oh God, no! <laughs> no way! I'd put this beer in a brownie. But <laughs> sim- that, that would be wasteful. I know, but concept. You, you see what I say? Yeah. It's just a sweet with sweet. Well, there's too I don't much, know. Too I, much sugar. I going mean, I me. have been to and and it, it felt fairly odd at the time. Oh, a good few years back now, I went to uh, an event that was uh, Harveston ran an event that was their Ola Do series, and they had paired them with cheese and chocolate, and and that still even to this day feels quite strange doing beer, cheese, and chocolate. For for me, it would have been beer and chocolate or beer and cheese. The cheese and chocolate don't necessarily work together. No, for for me, don't work for me. I would go cheese. Okay. Okay. So it's an interesting question yeah. to finish on, but and it's one that I'm actually gonna I'm gonna throw that one back to our definitely. listeners as well. Um, tell us what your strangest food and drink combinations pairings have been. Use the hashtag. Yeah, we want, we want to know both sides of it. We want yeah, to know the food a- and the absolutely. drink. Absolutely. Yeah. Some more thoughts on the beer then. So we've been in, slowly enjoying this while we've been thinking about that question. I'm still glad this is the last beer. I reckon it would have been a struggle to follow up on this one. Not because there's anything wrong with the beer, because it is starting to grow on me as a end of evening beer. It is. If, if, if I was to look at the beers again in, in hindsight of having tasted them, I maybe would have put the desert in a can at the end. Just because of the flavours and the sweetness and the thickness of it. Once again, massive thanks to Will for, for sending these to us. Um, yeah, and I can't say I can't say enough. I was when when Steve sent me the picture and sent me the message which came with it, I was blown away. Yeah, I, I, I was when I opened it. Completely blown away. Uh, you know, literally just saying thanks. And I have no desire for other people to send this this for that reason, but thank you ever so much will means a lot absolutely and to 
have got to try the holy grail of beer for hopheads. Oh, <laughs> the the and, head. Yes, probably my beer of the year now. Well, it's, it's going to be a hard one to beat, isn't it? Yeah. Let's let, let's, let's be honest. Um, if you want to get involved in the show, use the hashtag opinions, and we will find you and shout you out probably on on the next show which at this stage we have no idea what we're doing next do no, we no we have no idea so it's, it's two weeks away in between i'm sort of focused on there, getting there's, married. there's something big going on in the middle yeah that there so and we might record a show for later on in the year yeah um but the actual next studio bound show um no fixed title no fixed theme how about this let's Throw it out to the listeners. No. Yes. What no. do you want us? What do you want us to talk about? Oh, not God. not beer wise. We'll, we'll sort the beers. Right. But what do you want us to talk about on the next show? Listener choice. That's it. Literally, listener choice. Lis- listener yeah, choice. All right, but say there's so many choices. How do we pick? Well, we'll put them in a hat or something. I'll choose the one that we feel we can get most conversation out of. Okay. All right. Well, you heard it here. It's down to you guys. So we're we're all about the be, listeners. We're all about the engagement. It's either going to be an hour-long show or a three-hour show. It's down to you. You tell us what you want us to talk about on the yeah. next show. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, on it's been note, a great evening. Yeah. Uh, once again, mate, I hope everything goes well. At Thank the you very I'm much. I'm sure it will. And um, all the very best for the future. See you at the wedding, Steve. Cheers. Cheers. I'm going to the size of-